Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line tonight. It's Ian with you. And Mark. And it is the Saturday edition. We're here taking your calls about anything, though. Callers for our special guest will be given priority, at least while we have him on the line. His name is Mark Emery. You might have heard of him as the Prince of Pot, and he is with us from his home in, I believe it's Vancouver. Is that correct, Mark? In downtown Vanstrom, yeah, I'm at the Mark Emery Cannabis Culture Headquarters. It's a store. You can hear the Bob Marley in the background. <laughs> the Mark Emery Cannabis Culture Headquarters? Yeah, that's right. All right, well, welcome back to Free Talk Live. It's been a little while since we've had you on the program. and uh, it we has, it has. Uh, we, we like to check in with you from time to time, especially as there's a new development in your case, because, well, you're an internationally wanted criminal uh, mastermind, Mark. Uh, can you introduce yourself to our listeners who may have never heard of you before? Well, to, you know, my Clark Kent persona is by day I, I'm a political activist and a bookseller all my life since 1971. So it's about 38 years now I've been selling books and magazines. And, uh, but I've always been a political activist. And then I came up with this brilliant idea of overgrowing the government in 1990 as a way of dealing with the prohibition and its severity on the people of North America. And, uh, so I raised lots of money. I sold all these seeds to people so they could grow good cannabis. And we took that money and we gave away $4 million to jumpstart dozens and dozens of activist groups and movements now that are quite, uh, quite busy in our, in our culture and seed money that went to many, many places. In the early 90s, there was no movement of any sorts, really, for the legalization of marijuana, the end of marijuana prohibition. And, of course, now we have hundreds and hundreds of lobbies and due to technology like the Internet, but also um, they, we, we gave away millions of dollars in the 1990s and early part of this decade, and it, uh, it, bear, it bore a lot of fruit, but it attracted the attention of the DEA. So they've, they've uh, basically called me the most wanted man in all of Canada and one of the top 50 most wanted in the world. And a lot of this stems from an animosity the U.S. Justice Department has towards me. John Walters, the drug czar, came here to Vancouver in November 2002, and he was heckled extremely uh, during a speech he gave here, and he was humiliated, and an investigation was launched against me right after that. Wow. And in Karen Candy, when I was arrested on, in July 29, 2005... That's the head of the her, DEA, right? Head of, head of DEA, yes. She... Uh, she went out of her way to mention on five occasions all the political activity I was doing. She would say, Mark Scott Emery, uh, founder of a legalization group in Canada, and he calling my magazine, Cannabis Culture Magazine, a propagandist magazine. It was really <laughs> amazing that a government agency head would be calling some private entity out there that's struggling in this serious environment and calling us a propagandist magazine. But anyway, this is really just flattering how powerful we've been as a, as a, as a grassroots campaign. Over the last 15 years, you know, we have propped up and given money to so many groups around North America and the world for cannabis legalization, libertarian politics, and a variety of other freedom initiatives and what have you. You know, Mark, you know, I've been an Ayn Rand acolyte for 30 years. I'm celebrating 30 years of Ayn Rand being the most influential person in my life. Oh, and, excellent. Well, uh, we're, we're celebrating ourselves this weekend. We're celebrating Free Talk Live hitting its 50th radio station in the United States, and hopefully one of these days we'll break into Canada and uh, get some Canadian stations to, uh, to pick us well, for up. For the benefit of your listeners, I will be uh, delivered to a Seattle federal court Monday, September 21st, to face a five-year sentence for selling seeds. Uh, by mail. This is the big news, adults. right? I mean, this is the this is the latest uh, part of your story. I mean, you... And of course, I was threatened with like and you know huge penalties 
if I challenged them, like because I was three charges, conspiracy to manufacture, conspiracy to distribute. And interestingly enough, all the money I gave away, the $4 million to all these activist groups, drug addiction clinics, class action suits against the federal government, mm-hmm. Supreme Court challenges, all that sort of stuff, um, $4 million, that, that's called money laundering. It has a 10-year mandatory minimum. Wow. So my, all, my, all my campaigns to help the cannabis culture ultimately are interpreted by the federal government as money laundering and as a 10-year mandatory. So, so that's facing, confusing to me, Mark. It, it, it's money laundering. I don't understand their laws. It's so difficult. You try to read one of them, and it's like just they don't madness. Oh, uh, yeah, they don't care either what they say. But I mean, when they say money laundering, I always thought the idea behind money laundering was you've got a bunch of money, but you garnered it through uh, underground channels, and so you have to launder it through legal channels yeah, in order see, to put I it back into your pocket. And normally, and normally you're concealing that, too. You see, I pay tax on all that money, and everybody right. in Canada knew what we were doing, and we, income tax here knew what it was doing. Everybody, everybody was collecting money out of the pie. The federal government got tons of money out of all that money that was. In. So here's the thing: everybody's involved in Canada. Everybody's, you know, everybody's aware of it. Everybody's on the getting their their share of it. So it's not being laundered because it's being spent transparently and given away transparently. We published where we were right. giving if, it away. If the money doesn't go back into your pocket, you haven't laundered it. You've given it to people yeah. that's charitable uh, as far as I'm concerned. But, and but the, the law is such a wide latitude that allows the federal sure. government to basically claim what. So, so then, you know, and then when they go and Lou Dobbs and say Mark Emery is responsible for 100,000 pounds of marijuana for every year he was in business. So I was in business 11 years, and so now they're saying... You know, that's 1.1 million pounds of marijuana worth $3 billion. And all this hyperbole, so you know that they wouldn't be prepping the judge for a low end of the scale. Yeah. I, by by like, the way, I consider that amount heroic, Mark. Congratulations. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, very few people are able to bring billions of dollars to their community. I mean, normally, if we lived in a rational society, I would have got the Medal of Freedom, of course. Yeah. But um, as a consequence, I have about 43 days of freedom left before I'm putting some U.S. federal penitentiary, largely for aliens, I may add. So a much worse one than would be typically afford even American incarcerated. Oh, my because goodness. Because there's only, like, for example, in California City, which is all for aliens, as they call them, there's nine Canadians and over a 1,000 Mexicans, including many gang members. So, you know, they're on lockdown almost all the time. There's violence in there. You know, and that's where they plan to, I would think, put me. Now, Mark, like, you've, you've been to jail before, I imagine, right? Because you've been, you've done oh, a lot well, of civil things, disobedience. Yeah, bad things happen to people in Canada. I was sentenced to three months in jail for passing one joint. Which, by the way, <laughs> I have been arrested for marijuana 23 times and jailed 17 times in eight out of ten provinces, I may add. But convicted very rarely, and almost all of it for civil disobedience. I've been jailed a lot and, ne- and never had charges against me or jailed and never been convicted. The most serious offense I have that I've ever been convicted of would have to be passing one joint. I, was, I got a three-month jail sentence for trafficking wow. in one joint. And then I've given away half a gram of hash to an American tourist. And I got uh, banned from the downtown of Vancouver for a year for that. And I've been convicted of selling bongs and selling seeds. And that's it. Actually, I'm promoting bongs, too, and promoting seeds. I don't even know they're in the criminal code or why. But you know, that's, that's it. That's, and, they're all, and then all the rest of them were smoking a bong or a big joint in front of the police station. In <laughs> I love in that my, protest. In summer, yeah, what was it, know, the summer of what tour? Summer of legalization. Well, courts had started saying that there was no marijuana law in Canada. And I agreed with that decision by some courts, so I went across Canada and in every jurisdiction uh, smoked cannabis in front of the police station for the purpose of getting charged so I could go to court to establish that the regime... 
that was being uh, enforced was wrong. And ultimately, I was proven right. All the charges against me all across Canada were dropped. And the courts admitted that marijuana was legal, but then they reinstated the prohibition. Yeah, I was going to ask you, what is the current legal status of marijuana, both medical and recreational, there in Canada? There's a legal right to medical marijuana in Canada, but the government was ordered to to provide it by the courts. So they thwart it with incredible bureaucracy, a callous, a hostility from from the department that's supposed to manage it, Health Canada, and so they rarely comply with court orders that are always ordering them to do stuff. They are cynical about the program. The government has actually sells its own marijuana, but they only sell sell one very poor strain, and they sell seeds too, by the way. Yeah, I heard and that they were. I heard that the quality of the marijuana sold by the government in Canada is basically ditch weed. Yeah, only only well, no, government can screw up. What weed. happened? The, the, the marijuana they grew was good at the Prairie Plant Systems Flin Flon mine, and we we knew in every intimate detail what was going on there. But what they did at first was they put the entire contents of the plant through a chipper. So the buds would be ground up with stem stalks and oh, things. Gosh. And there's a lot of, there's, well, that's why there were thousands and thousands of little bass fibers inside the pot. And the bass fibers contain a lot of potassium so that they are basically fireproof. So it was hard to smoke the pot. It was wow. rough. Everybody hated it. So, so they were course, just too lazy then to actually harvest the plants appropriately as a uh, as a, any marijuana grower would know how to do. I, I want to bring it back. You've got time for us, right? We can, can we have you up to yeah. the whole hour, Mark? Sure. All right. Awesome. We're going to come back more with Mark Emery. He is the Prince of Pot, one of the most dangerous criminals in the world, apparently, if you believe the government people, and it seems to me like he's a heroic, uh, really nice guy. 800-259-9231, that is the toll-free number. If you've got a question for Mark Emery, he's on the line with us, and uh, we'll take your calls and talk about what's going on in his case coming up. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up what you want. The toll-free number is 800-259-9231, the SACL-CAI toll-free line, 800-259-9231. It is Ian here with you. And Mark. And uh, you specifically want to call that number at this time if you want to talk to our guest. His name is Mark Emery. You might know him as the Prince of Pot, the publisher of Cannabis Culture Magazine, one of the 50 most wanted men in the world. Uh, we'll talk uh, more with him here in a moment, but first I want to invite you to our website at freetalklive.com. We have a lot of features there. We give it all away to you, including live streams. We've got a broadband version of the show, a dial-up version of the program, and a webcam, all free at listen.freetalklive.com. That is listen.freetalklive.com. And SACL CAI has a full-orbed approach to account recovery. It's really three companies in one. They do collections, early out billing, and they purchase charged-off receivables. SACL knows the way they treat your customer reflects on you. So their staff is respectful, they record every call, and they have the best equipment money can buy. So your business is handled as efficiently as possible. See their banner at freetalklive.com. That's SACL CAI. As we go back to Mark Emery, he is on the line with us from his business in Vancouver, Canada, which he'll only unfortunately be there for a few more weeks as he prepares to be extradited. You're going to be uh, extradited down to, you said, Seattle to begin a five-year stint in prison for... What are the charges again, Mark? It will be a count of uh, conspiracy to distribute marijuana, which in their case is my seeds becoming marijuana, theoretically, um, in some American garden somewhere. So wait, it was just one count? 
Well, it's going to be one count that I'm going to be, I'm pleading to. Gotcha. And how many did they come and hit you with? Because well, as we know, and I'm sure they do this in Canada, the cops in America are constantly just bringing people in, they're arresting people, hitting them with as many charges as they possibly can, and then offering them what they call a deal and backing it down to, you know, one or two charges. How many was it originally? Uh, three charges, but, you know, they all come with mandatory minimums, five or ten years, and potential financial penalties of, you know, half a million dollars, you know, whatever whatever they could convince the judge to do, whoever that might be. And in this case, it's uh, a Ricardo Martinez. In, uh, and so, you know, when you're looking at that, I thought, well, you know, if I got sentenced to life imprisonment or any number of varieties over 20 years, which is equivalent to life imprisonment for someone my age, mm-hmm. Um, then I figured my wife wouldn't be able to see me again, and this would have a very deleterious effect on her ability to really be continue, you know, acting on my behalf. If she never expects to see me again, that's an incredibly challenging yes, premise. Absolutely. So accepting a five-year term, and then the hope is that I can get uh, my supporters throughout the United States, Canada, to get me transferred back to a Canadian prison so my wife can visit me for one, and not so much in the prison, but just it's doubtful she'll be let into America to even visit me, mm. and. Uh, It'll be far, far away. I'll be in California or Texas or Florida or Georgia somewhere. And so, you know, basically, if I would be, were to be transferred back to Canada, then I might be back out within a couple of years. Now, how would it be that people could uh, could help with that at, the, at that time? What, what would be the well, appropriate in, way? In Canada, it would be the Minister of Public Safety, a nice Orwellian name there. He looks after the prison. <laughs> and he would be need to be encouraged to uh, transfer me back to Canada. Because the Conservative government we have now, unfortunately, is a very much a Republican-style government. And they are not transferring the weed prisoners back from the United States, sort of as a way of punishing them. And so there would be, need to be some political pressure brought to bear on the Canadian government to get me transferred back. It used to be automatic for any Canadian prisoner in the United States system. But, and, then, uh, and then also the American people will need to help me uh, encourage the American Bureau of Prisons to uh, expedite my transfer back to Canada. And, and also just to keep an eye on what happens. Hopefully if I'm mistreated, people would react in a negative way. Mm-hmm. You know, I have millions of supporters throughout North America. I've been doing this for 20 years. I'm probably the most recognizable person advocating the repeal of marijuana prohibition and, and the legalization of our plant and our people, of course, who go to jail for it. So hopefully if, you know, my basic safety could be assured simply because uh, enough people know I'm there and would be upset if something bad happened. We find so. that that helps here in New Hampshire. As you know, uh, the Free State Project is going on here that's encouraging hundreds, and, and then soon thousands, hundreds have moved. Thousands are, are By moving. Way, what, what happened to that fellow, Mr. Carroll, who held oh. the marijuana out front of you know, the, the, and the police arrested him in Keene, I believe it was. Yep. Oh, I might be uh, wrong. That's where we do the show, from here in uh, beautiful Keene. Andrew is still living in the Keene area. He, uh, I saw him just a, a little while back. You're talking about the guy that was arrested in January for yeah. holding a bud, just a sim- sim- he, single bud he, of marijuana. He, and he's in not public. He doesn't smoke that? marijuana. Say again, he punished for that? He was punished, yes. Uh, the follow-up on uh, that story is that they sent him to jail, I believe it was for nine days. because what? he ref- because he refused to pay the $420 fine that they hit him with. Oh, that's what will happen to They gave him a $420 fine. That yeah. seems a little on the peculiar... You know, nudge, like nudge, wink, wink, right? Yeah. Uh, well, and the video I, is I, actually... I, va- I, the, 
the video, how, how just to insert here, Mark, the video, sorry, the video is available of his trial uh, at Freekeen, the Freekeen YouTube channel. And uh, it's it's a very interesting trial in that the judge is definitely taking things in a sort of a lighthearted manner, but uh, he still hits him with nine days in jail and a four hundred twenty dollar, excuse me, a four hundred twenty dollar fine. And when you don't pay the fine, they they put you in a prison cell. Well, that's an admirable young man to actually back that up and go to jail for the full nine days. Yeah, yeah, he's a yeah, he's a real courageous guy. Yeah, how does he feel about that now that he's out? I don't have him here to ask him, but I think he feels pretty positively about it. I know that he plans oh, on running for uh, for state representative here in in the, the within the next year in in New Hampshire. So I'm sure he's going to use the name recognition that he got out of it uh, to kind of go off into oh, a, to a political and, career. And, that, and that's very effective uh, effective campaigning too. I would say put your principles on the line, show you're willing to go to jail for your principles. That makes him automatically more trustworthy at age 18 or 19 than any established politician i know i know that uh, he really appreciated you uh featuring his article in cannabis culture magazine which we haven't really talked about uh you are the publisher of cannabis culture magazine cannabisculture.com tell me just a little bit about the magazine well the magazine actually started in 1994 and the same month that the World Wide web debuted so we came out and of course actually from 1987 to 1995 Literature about marijuana was banned in Canada, and, and that was one wow. of the laws I actually helped overturn in 1995, so that High, high Times was not allowed into Canada, Grow Books were all seized. Uh, we went through a very regressive period in the 1980s where everything's had to be undone since then here in Canada. And one of the things we had to undo was this ban on truthful material about marijuana. And so, anyway, since then... Uh, 1994, when we put Cannabis Culture Magazine out, it went for 15 years, but we stopped publication a few months ago because in that really? time, we, well, because we've seen the advent of technology supersede magazines mm-hmm. as effective vehicles of advertising and as effective vehicles of information. The problem is coming out every two months was okay every 15, you know, 15 years ago right. because there was not much out there. But now people want their information right away, regularly, and they don't want to wait two months. Journalists don't quote magazines anymore because no one goes to the library or goes to the newsstand to buy them. If they can't get it online, then to them it doesn't exist as a fact, and, or the information doesn't exist. So mm-hmm. the, the thing is either we put it on when we get the information right away and compete with people in the digital era, or we continue to print the magazine and become a nice archival thing for a, a hardcore fan base. And, and it was losing $40,000 an issue oh, for boy. years. I mean, Oh, yeah. yeah, but my store has always, like, worked really hard and tried to earn more money than the losses uh, accumulated. But the magazine was just a sinkhole. And it was a sinkhole for all our energy and all our money, too, because we weren't updating the online component of the magazine nearly because there was no energy left and there was no money left. Well, it is still so online, and you are, up, you are updating the online uh, website oh, yeah. no, at this we point. We had two or three, four things, five things a day. We were still commissioning lots of stories from cool. writers. We're paying people. Mark, um, hang we're on. We're going to come back, all right? We're going to bring you back here in moments. Mark Emery from Cannabis Culture Magazine, the Prince of Pot, is with us. I know that people have been waiting patiently. We're going to take your calls coming up here shortly. 800-259-9231 if you want to talk to Mark. This is Free Talk Live. Are you moving to New Hampshire for the Free State Project? Maybe you are already here and need to find a place to call your own. Mark Warden, the Porcupine Realtor, will help you find the perfect property. Do you want a home with 50 acres of land? How about an income-producing building? Perhaps a cabin on a lake or a condo in an urban area? Invest in liberty and property. Contact Mark Warden, Porcupine Realtor. See his banner ad at freetalklive.com. 
This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Though calls for our guest Mark Emery are going to be given priority at the moment. 1-800-259-9231. Again, that number brought to you by SACL CAI. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Mark. And we invite you to our website at freetalklive.com. We've got updates, and they are the best way to keep in the loop as to what's going on with the show. The latest on Free Talk Live will be sent to your email box if you're on the list. Just go to updates.freetalklive.com. Get on it free. That's updates.freetalklive.com. I've been uh, taking a new vitamin. It's called Choose for Health Super Fruit Complex, and it, it tastes like a, the, tar- the tartest sweet tarts you've ever had. It's a, a vitamin and an antioxidant all in one. It includes uh, the goji fruit, mangosteen, acai, nani fruit, and these four super fruits uh, contained in uh, Choose for Health are considered by many experts to be the most nutrient-rich fruits in the world. You can get a free one-week sample by calling 800-219-8874. It's 800-219-8874. All you have to do is pay for shipping and handling, and a free you get a free uh, week uh, of this uh, vitamin. 800-219-8874. All right, 1-800-259-9231 is our number. We're talking with Mark Emery. He is uh, the man behind what, I, <laughs> one of the men behind the uh, the marijuana legalization movement. One of the most prominent, I guess, members of the marijuana decriminalization movement. I don't know how best to even describe you now. Your your magazine is no longer well, a magazine. It's now a website. I call me what the DEA called me, the Prince of Hot. I Actually, like that, that one. Right on my, right on the warrant for my arrest, it said Mark Emery, aka. <laughs> it said Mark Scott Emery, aka the Prince of Pot. The Prince of Pot. So now let's talk been... briefly for a moment here about how dangerous a man you are, Mark. You wanted to make a point about Mark. Here. Yeah, I, I think but that the uh, Mark. it needs to, it needs to be said that um, you know Mark Emery may be one of the. 50 most wanted men in the world, but he's never been charged with hurting anyone. Uh, you know, no one has been harmed by this man, and that is how governments operate. Well, that's a precisely thing to run. There are no victims here. There's not anybody complaining. There's no human being. It's merely the ideology of the United States and the pride of the U.S. Justice Department's all bent out of shape. Because probably what I boasted about all those years when I was running this peaceful botanical revolution was overgrowing the government. And the idea was that one man could nullify the evil of tens of thousands of people running around destroying plants and resting people by simply helping replenish and recreate all those plants. So if one person could contribute to the futility involved in 10, 20,000 people wasting their time, and I thought that was a perfect way to operate a peaceful revolution. Awesome. Uh, and certainly people like Gandhi have proved in the past that you can be the change you wish to see in the world. And, that, and indeed, one man who is dedicated to, uh, to his viewpoint can really see some significant well, change in his life. Well, it's a great idea, too, because people would send me this money. I would give out this money to all these different groups, since many of them have gone on to quite some success. We achieved a great deal of of things in our time uh, in Canada, the United States, around the world. I mean, I gave money to the Israeli Marijuana Party, the Greenleaf Party, the New Zealand, Australian Marijuana Parties. We had rallies in Paris and, and London, England. I sponsored the Global Marijuana Marches all over the globe uh, with $35,000 a year from 1997 to 2005. You know, one of the great things we did is we launched this class action suit in Philadelphia against the U.S. federal government in uh, 2002, and I paid to have 80 really crippled up, you know, badly, misshapen people who are needing medical marijuana come up to the courthouse in Philadelphia from all over the United States, and I paid to fly them and get them there by train. Wow. And then I put them up, all 80 of them, in a hotel room, and, you know, that cost like $30,000 just for one weekend um, to have all these Americans testify in a federal court in Philadelphia. Now, we didn't win. 
Now, we, we, I also paid for the Canadian Supreme Court challenge of our marijuana laws here in Canada. That cost $85,000. Your, uh, your so, activist history <laughs> is just unprecedented, and you've done an amazing amount of work. And, uh, of course, you're also a fan of civil disobedience. I know we've talked about that in the past. But let's go to some of oh, these yeah. phone calls. I do want to get to what's coming up in uh, the, the rally for the Principat. I want to definitely cover that tonight uh, because that's yeah, on the way. We need one of those in New Hampshire. I, I absolutely agree, if not more than one. Uh, let's yeah. go to the phone, though, and talk because people have questions for you. Let's go to Lee listening to WFLA in St. Petersburg, Florida. Lee, you're on with Mark Emery, the Prince of Pot. Hello, Ian and Mark. How are you guys doing today? Mr. Emery, hello. Hi. Uh, I just want to say that I, I love Free Talk Live. I tell many, many of my friends and fellow workers about it. Uh, second, uh, I was arrested for felony marijuana for possessing a half pound of marijuana, which I believe is a victimless crime, and I, I'm sure you guys believe it as well. Oh, Bob um, Marley smoked a pound every week. I mean, that's just a small, <laughs> small supply there. <laughs> exactly. They they ended up keep, keeping some, leaving me with the crappy weed, which was another half pound, and taking the good marijuana, which <laughs> makes you wonder, right? Yeah. Um, my rights, that was over 10 years ago. My rights have been stripped away from me for the rest of my life. Now, if the government were to legalize cannabis, um, our entire society would be changed just for the better. I mean, taxes, energy needs, uh, I mean, just endless, endless uh, possibilities. For me, the number one reason has to be the, the fact that a million people wouldn't be put in jail cells. Exactly. And they were supposed to, you know, supposedly, you know, I don't understand. We have we have a government that just wants to stomp every right that we have and take them but away that, from us. And cannabis is is the most natural thing out there. I mean, how can how can you make something illegal that has nothing? It has doesn't even have to be processed. I mean, this is the most natural drug if God, if Mother Earth did not give this to us for a purpose, then I have no other reason for it to be here. I mean, it it, it boggles my mind the government can do whatever they want to, and I wouldn't be surprised if the government isn't, you know, going to be on my block tomorrow, you know, because of of, of their of their ways. I mean, Lee, thank you for that. I appreciate it. I don't know if you have a question out. for Mark, but you should probably get it out if you do. Oh, okay. I, I think I, I read an article about you in Playboy, if I'm if I'm correct. Um, over over you distributing seeds to 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 everybody in America, they want to put you in prison for that. I mean, why? I don't understand. Thank why? you, Lee, for the call tonight. I appreciate hearing from you. Well, Mark, why? Well, here's the thing: the man made a number of assertions that are, of course, true. You know, how can government do these things? Well, government is the monopoly of the use of force. Government isn't our friend, and government doesn't do anything for liberty. You know, and we even use the term when the government legalizes it. Well, the government's going to legalize marijuana, you know, after we put them in a headlock, drag them down to the ground, and enforce it on them through the electoral system or public pressure or whatever it takes to get them to repeal prohibition. But government does not give up its control very readily. And the purpose of government... You referred to all those terrible things that are happening. Well, that's what government's all about. Government is about those terrible things. Government thrives on all those terrible things, the surveillance of people, war, welfare, you know, taxation, these horrible things that we all consider cancers to civilized society is what government is all about. Yeah. So, you know, that listener needs to understand that government doesn't do things rationally. They're not rational. They're irrational. They're the opposite of common sense. So how do we how do, we do that then? Well, I'm going to jail. 
uh, for five years for selling seeds sounds ridiculous because you can buy these seeds in California at any of these many hundreds and hundreds of dispensaries in California. In California, my friend Richard Lee at Oaksterdam University, I believe his company distributes 500 cuttings and clones a day to shops throughout the Oakland area under license by the city, and taxes are collected there. And seeds are sold in all these different medical marijuana uh, cooperatives in California and stores, and lots of money is changing hands, and, every, and yet... Yep. All the money I collected, I gave away. Like we, everything. I never owned a single. I paid taxes on all that money. That's why I'm not facing any charges in Canada. And I gave four million dollars away to drug, like I say, drug addiction clinics. Boy, lawsuits and class action suits and Supreme Court challenges and political party. I mean, it was just endless. That's five hundred thousand dollars a year. Mark, I want to sneak another call. I want to sneak another call in if I can here. Let's go to Fred, listening to WFTL in Florida. Fred, you're on Free Talk Live. With Mark. Hi and hi, Mark. Good show. Enjoyed uh, enjoy your show. Yes, sir. You're uh, on with Mark Emery, Fred. Yeah, Mark. I, I appreciate what you're doing, and uh, I'll, I'll make it quick, and I'll, I'll give you a little background. My que- first of all, I'll work backwards. My question is: Are you aware that in Florida? I'm, I wasn't aware that in Florida you can grow up to six plants for yourself. Now, what? The reason? I'm, well, let me let me let me explain. You're going to have to explain in a moment. I'm going to bring you back here. And I uh, come from Florida, and this is news to me. I don't know if it happened within the last three years, but I think I would have heard about it if it had, because we stay pretty on top of the the marijuana legalization news here on Free Talk Live. So I would would caution anyone in Florida to uh, not take this as legal advice. Hang on. He's not an attorney, and any advice he he gives may not be construed as such by uh, listeners of this station. All right. More coming up here with Mark Emery. This is Free Talk Live, 800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. It's the Saturday edition of the show. You can bring up whatever you want. Just dial toll-free to 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, especially if you have a question for our guest, Mark Emery. He's known more popularly as the Prince of Pot. He's about ready to face a five-year prison sentence on a plea bargain from the United States being extradited from Canada to uh, to serve that sentence. And we're going to get back to uh, to his story and what you can do to help here in just a few moments. Going to take your calls, though, while we get a chance at 800-259-9231. Also want to invite you to our website at freetalklive.com. All of the features are free there, but if you want to help support the show on a voluntary basis, you can do that by becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for as little as 3 bucks a month. We will take that money in, reinvest it into the show, get on more radio stations around the country, and bring more Internet listeners on board. So exposing new people to the ideas of freedom, uh, you can get on board for that at amp.freetalklive.com, and you'll get perks like access to the amp-only call-in lines, chat room, forum, and more, amp.freetalklive.com. We're going to bring back Mark uh, Emery from his office in Vancouver, his uh, storefront down there. And are you there with us, Mark? Oh, yes. All right. Welcome back. We're going to go back to Fred, who was on the line. Fred, you'd begun by claiming that uh, the state of Florida is now allowing people to grow uh, six marijuana plants. Can you clarify that? No, let, me, let me give you a little bit of background. I moved down here back a year ago in February from New York. I have cancer. I'm in my 60s, and my wife has multiple sclerosis. Uh, the only way when we were living in New York, the only way she could sleep and still now would be you know, having a couple of puffs of a joint. Same thing with me after my chemo. Uh, I moved down to Florida. I couldn't get any smoke. I didn't know anyone. So I spoke to my pool guy, and, of course, he gave me a couple of seeds, and he said, look, you're allowed to grow up to six plants down here. So yeah. I'm talking to him. Okay. I'm talking to him, looking at my six plants. And uh, obviously, in the back of my mind, when somebody comes to my home, I have to move them into the garage and put them away because of the fear. 
Sure. So for, for us, it's a life and death situation. You know, it doesn't matter if, you know, if we're arrested or whatever. We, you know, we're both very sick people. So my question was, was the pool guy correct that we can grow six plants or incorrect? <laughs> um, the pool guy uh, is not qualified to give legal advice. <laughs> I, you know what I'd recommend is going to Normal's website. Mark, what would you suggest? Well, I, I tell you what, I was just while in the intermission there reading a marijuana policy product, MPP.org website, and they have a great state-by-state status update, as does Normal, by the way, as you know. Uh, but uh, I go to Marijuana Policy Project because they're pretty up-to-date on what's going on. And, boy, Florida has harsh laws generally. I've just yeah. been looking at all the different – a new trafficking law now effect that affects people with very small amounts of marijuana. They don't have a medical marijuana. They have the third highest incarceration rate after Texas and California. 71,000 people in Florida are in yeah. jail. Well, they've got to do something all. with all the uh, rednecks. they got to employ them somehow. The, that's exactly twice the number of all Canadians in jail in Canada. We only have 36,000 <sighs> people in jail here. That is crazy. Country. And they have twice that amount in Florida alone. <laughs> and uh, so, and then all, are you a victim of Florida's harsh marijuana laws, it says here? So clearly, and there's absolutely nothing that provides for any legal amount of any kind, medical or otherwise. And in fact... Mm-hmm. Uh, Florida's been the most difficult place to get a medical marijuana law passed. So, yeah, when I remember being down in Florida, I remember the growing <laughs> penalty was harsher than the dealing penalty. So if you had, I don't know if it's still that way, but if you had several pounds uh, in your house, it wouldn't be the same penalty as growing fact, a few plants. Every single medical marijuana patient in Florida continues to live in fear because Florida's penalties for possessing small amounts of marijuana are among the nation's toughest. You know, so there's absolutely they, they, no relief here whatsoever. Uh, so, so sorry to tell you, Fred, your pool guy was uh, just full of misinformation. <laughs> Thank you for the call tonight. All right. If you want to grow medical marijuana, move to California. MPP.org is the website you're on there, Mark? Yeah. Well, they have a state-by-state thing. I decided a great website there. And, of course, they get good money. They got some of mine in the early days. And... Uh, so, yeah, you can just put the go, any state or any city in there and you can find out what's going on. That way, when people want to apply their energy to a, their specific neighborhood, that this allows them to do that. And speaking of which, yes, I would love it if any of your listeners wanted to hold a rally in their community in the United States on Saturday, September 19th, uh, a rally in, uh, on my behalf. That's because exactly where I wanted to go next. There's a, the article is on the front page of CannabisCulture.com right now. Free Mark Emery, Rally for the Prince of Pot, Saturday, September 19th. Uh, it's, there, there's a lot of details there. There's a Facebook page. A lot of information is right there. But the idea is that these rallies will be happening two days before you'll be turning yourself in down in Seattle. So people getting together, hopefully around the world, to support you, right? Yes, that's uh, kind of the idea. And just to bring awareness, who knows, the judge might have a radical departure from the norm and, I don't know, order me out of the country immediately not to come back or something like that. But Hmm. anyway, it probably won't be as as rosy as that, of course. But (laughs) the the important thing is to create the awareness. And one of the great things I learned in campaigning for Ron Paul, the greatest politician ever lived uh, and still living, thankfully, is putting signs to say Google Ron Paul when he was running in the primaries. For the uninitiated, and, that's, and of course, people go home and they can get their kids to Google that name. And so, even signs that say "Google Mark Emery and his work for freedom," or "Google Mark Emery Principal," or any number of those things, will will pull up a lot of my best videos from television and movies and interviews, as well as some of cannabis culture work and our website. So, those kind of signs at a rally on my behalf for two or three hours will be very helpful in the long run. Now, would you recommend uh, actually having these rallies in any certain location, like where there's yeah, a lot of traffic? I would, I would say, 
A lot of traffic. You know, you can usually find a main courthouse, uh, a police department, uh, <laughs> in larger centers, in a Canadian consulate, or, uh, you know, a police headquarters, anything like that that represents the establishment or the system. Now, which Mark, would be a courthouse either. how would you feel if uh, there were instances of civil disobedience going on at these rallies? Well, it depends. Um, here's the thing. Civil disobedience related to marijuana uh, can be useful. Uh, I don't have an opinion on it because oftentimes non-civil disobedient opinion uh, rallies are more effective if you've got the media there and it's not an excuse just to smoke pot. Um, because a lot of young people in a lot of communities feel that they're not likely to get arrested if they smoke at 420 and do that. And I typically have no objection because I've gone to many, many rallies where we smoke lots and lots of marijuana. But for the purposes of any media that might come or for passers-by, if they saw older people holding nicely done signs in, in straightforward lettering, it was easy to read and they were all dressed appropriately, uh, that said, you know, Google Mark Emery, free the Prince of Pot, no jail for Mark Emery, something like that, then it would probably make a better impression on people than if they were smoking marijuana. Okay, fair enough. So, uh, that's kind of, if, so if that's kind of civil difference, you know, if somebody wants to block a bridge on my behalf, that's different. But <laughs> as to whether they should smoke marijuana, that's not the right time or place. That's a separate thing. Um, signs and a dignified decorum and some good chance, you know, let's all vote or else we'll never choke and stuff like that. You can have lots of fun with rallies. You can make it a lot of different things, right? It's an empowerment thing. It's an awareness thing. It's a, another uh, a rally against prohibition and the wars that we're facing in North America, Canada, the United States at war, you know, war without end in the Middle East, Far East right now, as well as war at home. And we're expanding our drug war to Afghanistan. And, you know, so there's lots of things that a socially aware group of people can do. And I would say smoking marijuana at those rallies might even be distracting. I think we mm. should make it about issues of war and of conscience and of Mark Emery and of getting people out of jail all across the United States. Well, I, I, can, I can certainly promise you that the activists around here have been itching for an excuse to do uh, some sort of marijuana civil disobedience, so we'll have to put that off until next year. <laughs> uh, but we're looking at doing some sort of mass uh, civil disobedience, and I know that's old hat for you up in Canada, but it just doesn't happen very often down here in the United States, so hopefully we'll see that happen at, at some point. But as far as your rally, I see what you're saying. St uh, keep it focused well, on helping Mark. Yeah, if you had some kind of civil disobedience, it's all, I, I very much uh, like the idea of everybody standing out and holding marijuana at 420 or in some way, you know, putting themselves at risk. But you want to avoid the hedonistic concept that we're benefiting by our activity. Once people perceive civil disobedience as pleasurable or beneficiary in some way, then it no longer takes on the form of civil disobedience. It takes on the form of hedonism. So you've got to watch how that's interpreted whenever you hold a rally. That's why being dead serious and having lots of good effective chants like, uh, that are repeated over and over again to all passers-by and signs that really let people know in the space of a couple of seconds what's going on, those are very effective. Hey, Mark, I just wanted to add something in here. I, I meant to mention it earlier, but we got sidetracked talking about Andrew Carroll, one of the uh, activists who did hold the butt of marijuana in his hand. Uh, mm. What I wanted to point out was that you had suggested that if people were paying attention to you as you were sitting in a U.S. prison cell, that that might help them in their treatment of you. And I, I, had, to, I had to say that that, I think, is absolutely the case. We've seen that happen here in New Hampshire where a, a freedom activist will go to jail for some issue, whatever it might be. Uh, they'll 
go to jail and the people on the outside, the hundreds of uh, liberty activists on the outside that are paying attention will do things like call the jail, call the police department, call the courts, uh, you know, ask, inquire about uh, your welfare, that kind of thing. Send a whole bunch of letters. Our friend Sam Dodson was in jail for 58 days for recording video in a public court lobby and not giving his name to the police. And he received countless, I mean, probably a, a few hundred letters uh, in that amount of time. And so having people on the outside knowing that you're in there is so invaluable and it's it's so helpful. So I, I hope that works out for you because I know they're not going to send you to a, a federal prison in New Hampshire because they'll, they know what they'll get. So I want to thank you well, for coming on tonight. We're short on time. Ten seconds for final yeah. thoughts. Well, I just hope uh, people continue to fight the good fight for our freedoms against drug wars, support Ron Paul and the Federal Reserve, and uh, Google Mark Emery. Tell all your friends. Please do that. Thank you, Mark. We'll talk to you again. More coming up. It's free time. Attention, all active duty members and veterans of the U.S. military. Your proud service to your country entitles you with the right to participate in special VA loan programs with benefits not available to the general public like the ability to purchase a new home with no down payment or mortgage insurance, or refi with cash out up to 100% of your present home equity with less strict credit criteria. You are entitled to these benefits. Review them online at varadio.com. This is Tim Lewis from iFreedom Direct and a veteran of Operation Iraqi Freedom. I want you to know that as a member or veteran of the United States military, you've earned special rights and privileges. On your feet and get the details at varadio.com. iFreedom Direct Corporation is a private lender approved by the VA and licensed in most states. In certain states, certain restrictions and limitations apply. For a current list of licenses, disclosures, and all benefits, go to varadio.com. varadio.com. This is Free Talk Live, your show. We are launching into hour number two, and you can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Again, 800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. Right into your phone calls, we jump to Kimberly in Texas. You're on Free Talk Live. Ladies first. Hey, Kimberly. Kimberly. How are you guys? Hey, what's on your mind tonight? Um, well, tomorrow I'm going out with the local group of the Campaign for Liberty to protest nationalized health care. I was just wondering if you guys could give me some ideas for protest signs. Okay, so is this your first protest that you ever, you've ever gone to? Yep, this will be. I, I recently moved here, so... I like the uh, the if you think health healthcare is expensive now, wait until it's free. Um, it's kind of long. It is a little long. How about no govt healthcare? G O V T healthcare. That's a pretty short one. Sounds good. Yeah. I'm not very creative though, so that's why what I'm do you doing guys radio. Think about something obscene. <laughs> Uh, well, well, you can't say certain words, but uh, can you give well, us some course. sort of hint at what you mean by that? Oh, um, like. Government GTFO. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'm all in favor of that. I mean, it's... Like it's short, to the point. <laughs> well, I think that, uh, you know, one of, one of the uh, complaints about uh, the, the, the protesters at these uh, events, uh, these, these listening town hall meetings, meetings that they have, where they're, they're not listening and they could care less what the town has to think, um, but... That one of the complaints is that they're 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 rowdy people. They're dangerous. Oh yeah. And I Definitely. think that uh, expletives might uh, uh, you know, G- GTFO, 
probably isn't gonna um, isn't gonna mean much to the people that I think she uh, intended to spell it out though. That might be the problem, um, and I think that that might to some people, uh, you know, an obscenity might mean might be threatening in some way. What's one of the other ones I've oh. seen? Uh, socialism kills. I think that's one of them. Yep. That's short. Uh, yeah, that would work. What else? What else, Mark? You got anything else? My dollar, my doctor, my decisions. That's a good one. Sure. Sure. Now, who are you going out with? You said Campaign for Liberty? Yeah, the Austin Campaign for Liberty. I imagine Austin's a fairly big group because I've, I've heard of oh, a yeah. lot of activism going on down there. It's one of the, I think, one of the hotbeds of, of activism. I'm not sure what kind of activism goes on in Austin, but it seems to be a hotbed for something. Oh, yeah. You may have seen on the news uh, last week's protest against Senator Doggett. He was outnumbered 10 to 1. For the protesters versus supporters. Wow. No, I, I didn't see that. Now, so, where is this protest going to be held? At the Capitol. So it's going to be on a Sunday or a Monday? I missed which day it was. Tomorrow. Okay. 11, yeah. Now, are you expecting anyone to actually be at the Capitol it's on, a, on a Sunday? Oh, yes. It's, it's organized. Right. But I guess my, my question is, I don't know where oh, yep. the Capitol is in, in Austin. So are you going to get a lot of walk-by traffic? Are there going to be people that are on the street that aren't part of your protest that will see your protest? Is there a lot of traffic that's going by and uh, nearby? Oh, well, there's always people going on in tours and stuff. But there is on a Sunday? there. Um, yeah, there is um, some group that supports nationalized health care that's going to be there. And I our see. whole thing is that we want to outnumber them. So yours is a counter-protest then? Of course. Got yeah. it. Cool. Well, no I, bottle throwing, no Molotov cocktails. Yeah, peaceful. <laughs> Stay peaceful. I don't think we need to tell you that though. No. And no swear words. Got it. I don't know. That's Mark's. That's Mark's. Uh, where Mark's coming from? I don't know if I have any objection to swear words. It certainly will inflame people. I don't know if that's a good idea or a bad idea. You could always have one swear word, word sign and then put it away if you feel like it's not working out. How would you to know, though? I mean, you know, it's, it's what's going on in someone else's mind. They might speak their mind to you. They might, but then, then you're letting one person yeah. decide uh, whether or not you have your sign out. So I, I, think I that, probably wouldn't do it myself. I think they're, I, I believe but the I swear words, it. although appropriate in certain instances, and this might even be one of those instances, ten, <laughs> tend to be viewed as crutches for people who uh, may not be able to use the language uh, best. And people might, uh, might construe it as you know, less than intelligent. Now, what you could do uh, if you wanted to do something a little unusual is you could pass out Free Talk Live flyers to some of the people at the, uh, the, 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 pr- the protest and the event, whether they happen to be on the side of the government health care or on the Campaign for Liberty side. That might be a good, a, good, a good way to get some ideas into people's heads beyond just the signage. Just a suggestion, a shameless plug. Sounds like she's busy talking to someone else. Thanks for the call tonight. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Story of my life. Pretty (laughs) girls don't want to talk to me. (laughs) Let's continue with Contractor Jim listening to WCER in Canton. Very well. Do you have a PC station in front of you or better by the mic? Do we have uh, computers? Yes, sir. Okay. Um... You can have the lady just called you. She can look up, uh, for instance, about Big Pharma. She could have on her one side of her side, Big, big Pharma sucks. On the other side, uh, Big Government stinks on the same side, two different sides. Sure. They certainly are I'll in get, bed I'll together. Give, I'll, I'll give you a five-word a five word, word search. Uh, you know what Dogpile is, probably. I've heard of it. Well, Dogpile is a search engine, dogpile.com. Put in uh, Big Pharma, Worries. Evelyn Pringle. Evelyn Pringle's up at Green Bay, Wisconsin. One of her classic articles, Big Pharma's Big Graveyard. 
And I'm sure it wouldn't be hard to Google uh, protest healthcare protest signs and find uh, some other people's signs, or go and watch some of the videos of these recent protest events where people have been at these town halls, so-called town halls, and protesting there. I'm sure there are a lot of creative signs there, probably far better than what I can come up with. Well, the reason I called you was about the multiple sclerosis. Remember, the gentleman called from Florida, and he, he had a problem with himself and using marijuana. His wife had MS, as I recall. Yes, sir. We have the highest rate of MS here in Northeast Ohio, any place in Ohio. Ohio has the highest multiple sclerosis rate in the country. Wow. And uh, the local people are trying to cooperate with Big Pharma and the MDs and people who don't know what the heck to do. On the other hand, there's a man in Virginia Beach who spent two years with low electrical appliances, and he's in total remission. He has about 100, over 100 pages posted on the Internet. He spent two months with what? Two years. Two years with what? With, with the wet cell appliance and radioactive appliance. There's three builders listing on the Internet. Uh, I, I'm a prospective builder. But I'm not I'm, sure uh, what you're referring to. What is a Westel appliance? W-E-T-C-E-L-L. I'm going to be cut off. I'm going to call you back. My cell phone battery's gone. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, you can keep talking because it sounds like you're okay for right now. Are you well, still there? What yeah, is West, What is Westel? What, tell me a little bit about that. If you get caught off, you get cut off. Okay. The buzzwords to use on the Internet are capital M, capital S for MS, and then Dudley Delaney, Dr. Dudley Delaney, D-U-D-L-E-Y, D-E-L-A-N-E, excuse me, D-E-L-A-N-Y. What am I going to find out? Not everybody that's listening has Internet access, so what am I going to learn if I look for this stuff? Well, that he... Oh, he did get cut off. <laughs> what an appropriate time. Well, clearly, Big Pharma doesn't want his word getting out. Were, were you able to Google that while he was saying it? Mark? I, you know, so many, so many letters were flying by. He was spelling so many things that I just, you know, I just decided after I looked up El- Evelyn Pringle, I was done. Okay, so uh, it sounded like some sort of uh, new technology that uh, was alleged to have helped somebody with MS. I don't know how expensive it is. I don't know anything about you got it. MS. You might as well try it, right? I, I What's suppose? the worst thing that could happen? Uh, the, there certainly have been a lot of uh, positive experiences with people with MS uh, having mar- uh, using marijuana. I don't think they I don't think anyone has alleged that it has cured their MS. I think it has allowed them to to cope with it uh, better than a lot of the prescription medications have. But I can't really speak from experience. So maybe if you've got a little bit more, you can share it with us at eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. That is the SACL CAI toll free line. You know, Mark, we mentioned the town halls that have been going on all around the country. You, if you've been paying attention to to the news, you might have heard about these uh, down in Tampa Bay. There was a fight that broke out at one of them, maybe more than one fight, I'm not sure, but there, there's there been a lot of tension, there's been a lot of shouting and pounding and anger, and they, here up in New Hampshire, they've shut them down, they, they changed them from town hall style meetings to individual sessions where people have to wait in a line to talk to some bureaucrat about these healthcare issues. It's just been an absolute mess. But apparently they've uh, now started beating up reporters. Is that right? Well, they're certainly arresting them. Um, from uh, carlosmiller.com, uh, the blog, Photography is Not a Crime. It's a good blog. Yeah, it is. Um, this is a St. Louis Post-Dispatch journalist, okay? So we're not talking about a blog, a blogger on the Internet or anything like this. This is a real, real live new, newspaper reporter. 
um, was arrested while shooting video of a demonstration against health care reform on Thursday. Oh, boy. This is the Obama administration's listening tour where they're listening to what Americans think about health care. But wait, he was videoing the demonstration against health care reform. Uh, well, you know, I mean, yeah, so. <laughs> so so he was he was there with a camera videotaping the opposition and they still enforced on him. Very well, interesting. We'll get to the rest of the story here in moments. 800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live, your show, Saturday edition. You can take control of the airwaves and bring up whatever you want at 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com where all the features are completely free, and they include the updates and the live streams. Uh, the Shrine of Female listeners, we give it all away. And those other radio talk shows want to charge you for their website. So enjoy ours on us free at freetalklive.com. Join more than half a million people who've trusted LegalZoom.com for their common legal documents. Incorporate your business, create a will or living trust, even register a trademark. Empowering you, protecting you with common legal documents that people trust. LegalZoom.com. If you haven't done your will, this is a fast and easy way to do it, to protect your family against the encroachments of the state. Your, your estate, whatever you have, will be in probate forever if you don't have a will. And your family won't get it. You just use code, code FTL. You save 10 bucks on your order. It's LegalZoom.com. All right. So you were telling me, Mark, that at one of the many rallies, uh, one of the many town hall listening session things they're having, which are basically propaganda sessions for the government's new health care plan that they're going to shove down everyone's throat. Right. The idea that they're actually listening sessions is a bunch of crap. The idea that it's a town hall meeting where you might uh, be able to stand up and uh, be heard, a bunch of crap. Yes. This and if a, you've been to a socialist jam it down your throat indoctrination uh, a seminar and, you know, that you, if you don't like it, you're you're liable to get beaten up by the uh, the, the police or or by yeah, if you're lucky uh, the, the, you, the security guards, whether they're union members or whatever they right. are. Right. If you're lucky, you'll just get shut out, as people have been all over the country. They've just been prevented from even coming into this thing, especially if they have tough questions and video cameras. So if you're lucky, that's what'll happen. But if you're not so lucky, like this reporter was, in where was this story, Mark? Do you recall? Well, it was uh, the the the, uh, the I assume it's nearby, St. Louis Post okay. Dispatch journalist. So. Why would they, the Saints so, so post-dispatch journalist be any place but St. Louis? He was arrested? Well, he was uh, arrested while shooting video of a demonstration against health care reform. And remember, if you're taken off in handcuffs, perhaps you're charged, perhaps you're not. I mean, this is these are kind of breaking news. These things have been happening for mm-hmm. the last few days. There hasn't been a lot of investigation that's been able to go on. I don't know if the gentleman's been charged or whether he's just uh, carted off or what. So they don't, claim, they don't uh, clarify this is just kind of a short little blurb? Well, it's it, there's a little more to it, but um, okay. you know they they don't clarify. No, <laughs> they don't. Well, um, usually when you're arrested, you are charged with something. Typically, no, they're not, no, you're not. If if the, the cops will put, take people, put them in handcuffs, drag them off someplace, and then let them go. That has happened, but I, does, I don't think that's the majority of arrests. I think typically people when are charged comes, with something. When it comes to uh, activism like this, you know, th- things like this, a lot of times that is what happens. Because they know they, they can't you arrest off. you for it. They just want you off they the scene. They just want to use the yeah, right. They just want to uh, use their power to stop the freedom of the press. Well, how did this go down? Do we know more about the the story? What's Jake Wagman was charged with interference, meaning uh, he was documenting the other arrests police were making at the oh, time. Oh, really? Yeah. A pair of um, this they is, don't like that very much. This is in his words. A pair of officers began instructing everyone to leave. I asked, I'm not sure why I have to go. We are, after all, on public property. Ha! That's what you thought. Right, that's why he got arrested. You you sassed an officer. Mm-hmm. Did you see this badge, son? 
Yeah, the badge of, means you do everything they say or else. One of the officers responded, you can either leave now or come with me to jail. Besides Wagman, five other people. This is freedom of the press, right? Yes. Public property, people, people uh, at a protest against socialized health care. You know, their money is going to be stolen in order to fund this crap. And you know, a, a reporter, a real newspaper reporter, is arrested by one of these thugs. What's new, though, Mark? I mean, we've been talking about – this may be shocking to some of our newer listeners, but it's not shocking to me because we've been reporting on reporters and journalists mm-hmm. and video cameramen being arrested now for the last few years. Yep. It's been a regular occurrence. It's happened in Miami. It's happening uh, – I've already forgotten where this one was. Yep. It's and happening I, all over the darn place. It I've happens here in Keene, New Hampshire, where we do this show. We have a lot of police officers that uh, listen to this show, and I know sometimes – Sometimes, uh, you know, they feel like we get hyperbolic. I want you to listen. I want you to think about it now. If you are a law enforcement officer and you have the opportunity to arrest a, uh, a member of the press who's on public property, who isn't obeying what you say, are you willing to do that? Because as far as I'm concerned, that's an encroachment on the Bill of Rights. There's if- freedom of the press in this country. That member of the press Paid for that public area. Now, I'm not talking about, uh, you know, someone's private office in a public building or something like that. We're talking about the sidewalk. Right. It was my understanding that the original intent of the the whole disorderly conduct or disobeying an officer, I think, is what they... they, they, There are certain charges they just love to throw at anybody for whatever reason. Sure. Catch all charges. Yeah. Uh, It's not like they're actually doing anything illegal. Right. Disobeying an officer. I mean, that's such a a charge that sounds so wide-cutting, like, oh, well, that can mean anything. If the officer says, jump, do some jumping jacks, if you don't do the jumping jacks, then you're disobeying an officer. Well, that's how absurd it has become. It has become so absurd that anything the officer says if you disobey you could be charged with that but it was my understanding the original intent behind that was that if you were in the the um the process of doing something that was harming another or let's say you're vandalizing the side of a building and then the officer comes by and says i tell you to stop in the name of the law and you don't stop then you would be able to be charged with disobeying an, an officer at that point not that it would be necessary because you were already committing a crime you're were caught in the act of vandalizing. So I think it's still a silly crime. I think it's still completely unnecessary. But it's obviously not even anywhere near what its original intention was, if that was in, indeed the original intent. I don't know. I mean, you get the impression that uh, the, the reason for that, that uh, charge is so that the officer can give an order, be obeyed immediately, yeah. in case someone could be harmed uh, because he doesn't have control of the situation. But... Um, here, they're arresting people. Five people were arrested on charges ranging from assault to disturbing the peace. Now, uh, assault, assault can be touching the officer. It, it can be speaking, uh, you know, against the, you know, saying that you will uh, harm someone also in, in whatever really? state. But it, it just depends. Um, assault can be a threat. It depends on the state. But, you know, that's that's the thing is, you know, what what, what is assault in this case? Um, and you're right. It could be just touching the officer, saying, get your hands off me, you know, mm-hmm. like flipping your hands. Don't touch me. That could be assault. Um, these right. people are on public property protesting a, uh, you know, a, a town hall meeting, a listening session. To me, they have every right to be there and that these police officers that ordered them off are in the wrong. But do you think they'll go to jail? <laughs> no, they won't. They are tools of the state. They'll be they are there to protect and serve the government. They'll get a, they'll get a week off, uh, paid vacation, and then For they'll what? be cleared. They're not going to be get cleared. They're not going. This is not going to even affect them oh, at yeah, all. You're right? They haven't. Be, they didn't beat anybody, right? Democratic Congressman Russ. Well, Car- if they had beaten someone, they would have gotten a week off, perhaps. Yeah. 
Democratic Congressman Russ Carahan had called a forum on aging inside a middle school gym. Now, this is the thing. They, the, the, the administration's sending out all kinds of uh, Democratic politicians, be they state or uh, even local politicians that are, you know, Democrats, to listen to the people. This is supposed to be a forum on aging. Now, a forum means everybody gets to speak, right? The protesters get to speak? Seems like it. Likely not. No. Any instance that we've heard about this across the nation? It's been, speech has been shut down. Shut, shut out. Down. Yeah. Yeah. Have and you, you know, been the there? The Democrats were complaining about the Republicans during the, uh, you know, the, the Bush administration, free speech zones and all that stuff. I want you to stop and take a look at this. They if were you rightfully are a Democrat, complaining. They were absolutely. Rightfully complaining. If you are a Democrat and you cared about free speech under the Bush administration, stop. Listen to what the Democrat pundits are saying. Rachel Maddow's of the world's and the Keith Olbermann. They stand against free speech. They stand against your rights and freedoms as Americans. Did you go to one of these town hall meetings? What was your experience? 800-259-9231. 1-800-259-9231. Or you can bring up whatever you want. Take control of the airwaves. This is Free Talk Live, the Saturday edition. This program is brought to you by Freekeen.com. Freekeen.com features audio, video, and blogs chronicling the transition to a voluntary society. Freekeen.com also has comments and discussion forums so you can be heard. Freekeen.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can dial in toll-free and bring up whatever you want. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Saturday edition. Ian here with you. And Mark. 800-259-9231. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. The features, they are free. So enjoy those. And they include the archives. If you've missed a moment of the show, click and download. They're yours free. Right there on the front page of the website at freetalklive.com. From creating new and old media to political action to civil disobedience and market-based activism, you'll find more pro-liberty activism than you may have ever imagined possible when you move to New Hampshire as part of the Free State Project. Learn more at freestateproject.org. That's freestateproject.org. So let's go to your phone calls about whatever you want. Jimmy is on the line listening to WFLA in Tampa. Jimmy, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey, how you doing? What's on your mind tonight, sir? Well, I just tuned in. I was listening to you guys talk about the reporter getting arrested, and I couldn't help but uh, think back to, you know, a few weeks ago with Professor Gates being arrested. And uh just didn't seem like none of the commentators of any of the reports that I watched seemed to get the same take that I get of this reporter being arrested to Professor Gates being arrested. Not to say that he was completely in the right, but it seemed like... uh very similar to this, you know, you know, guys on his own private property, and yeah, maybe he wasn't didn't handle it the best of situation, but it seemed like he was almost lured outside just to uh, get placed in that position. Now you're talking about the uh, the Gates situation. Yeah, this is the professor. Yes, sir. Boston. So uh, can you kind of fill me in on uh, what happened with that story? I, I can't say that I'm too uh, intimately familiar with it. Well, from what I've read or heard in the news, uh, the was trying to enter his home and the door was jammed and he had to kind of like push it open. Somebody called 911 thinking there was a break-in and uh, in essence uh, the police officer that responded thought that he was uh, uh, wasn't sure who he was. He got ID and uh, you know there was uh, some words exchanged there between the officer and uh, Professor Gates and 
Um, at some point, he uh, asked Professor Gates to come outside if he wanted to continue to express his concerns or discontentment further, and once he was outside, he was arrested. And um, Thus, uh, we had the uh, what they'd been calling the beer summit at the White House last week with uh, the president and uh, police officer. But so Obama had been like... Okay. So uh, so basically you're saying that his door was open and so someone called the cops suggesting that there was a break-in? No, his door was stuck. And Still. he had – you got a black man pushing uh, – you know, like prying open a door in a uh, – you know, Boston's a largely white area. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, gee, I wonder. You know, that's, so, I mean, people jump to some conclusions there and, and uh, you know, I can imagine – I can see why Professor Gates had that uh, so he know, was reaction already, that he had. He was already in his home by the time that the police arrived? Yeah. And was yeah. the door then at that point closed, and so he let the police into his home? I'm not clear on that, but the policeman did enter and ask for ID from what had been reported, and he provided ID. He established residency, and at that point, you know, you know, it seems like he could have just gone and cleared the call out and left and went on his way. Um, you know, I mean, the guy on his private property is at his home. Um, That's yeah. It I couldn't help but draw the correlation between what you guys were talking about, the reporter, and this situation. As Cops well. are uh, are out of control. They are Some, on. Power, they're on. A lot of them are uh, are on power trips, and they know they can get away with virtually anything. In many cases, they can get away with murdering other people, and their departments will cover up for them. So, uh, but, so it's not. A, none of this is really a shock and a surprise. And I think one of the things that people need to uh, to really take away from all of this is that the police aren't your friends. They're dangerous, and there's a good chance that they will put you in a cold, uh, you know, a cold jail cell uh, for your efforts. Many people have tried to call the police on their own to bring them into a situation, maybe having some sort of a, a, a domestic issue with a family member, or friend, or something like that. And the police arrive, and they, even though they had thought the police were just going to come and mediate, or the police would come and assist with the situation, the usual way they assist is by taking somebody away in handcuffs. And I, I think that people don't realize that often enough in today's society about the police. And I think the smartest thing to do in the, in the Gates situation for him would have been to ignore the cops, uh, to not open the door in the first place. Because if you don't have a conversation with them, then they can't gather information from you on a voluntary basis. And and you won't put yourself in a position to where the police officer will want to arrest you. If they haven't talked to you, then they can't possibly want to. Uh, they they won't be likely to uh, to want to arrest you. Now, will that stop them from busting into your house? Well, probably because they still likely will need some sort of warrant, some piece of paper saying they can bust in. And even at that point, if they've got that paperwork, they're going to do it whether you open the door or not. Uh, so it, I just I, I can't see on a see burglary. Any, I don't know that I think I I don't know that I think your advice is very good here. I sir. can't see mm-hmm. that. Uh, well, it, he was arrested, right? So not talking to the cops may have resulted in him not being arrested. He got to go to the White House, man. Okay, I understand what you're saying, Mark, because he's politically connected. No, but no, average... no, he's a college professor, and he's black, and he, you know, the police officer jumped to a bunch of conclusions. I thought Obama was uh, aware of who this guy was, or sure something he is. like that. Now, so he's what, connected. No, once he got connected because he got arrested. Oh, okay, I, th- I thought when I was looking at the stories that they had already known who uh, one another was. A- any other thoughts? I think he had heard of him. Yeah, that's that's the impression that I had gotten that uh, Obama knew of this particular gentleman, and that's why that's why it became a story. Otherwise, it would have just been some other guy who was arrested by the cops for a break and enter or something like that. So, uh, Jimmy, any other thoughts for us tonight? Well, 
In regards to freedom of the press, did you guys see about six or eight weeks ago the White House correspondent Helen Thomas get into a, a, a little exchange with the press secretary because they weren't uh, allowing the press to, to answer, uh, to ask certain questions, and uh, she basically, you know, she's, um, well, surprisingly, she just blurted out and said, you know, this is the most restrictive uh, administration uh, on the press that we've ever seen, mm. that we can't even ask questions that we want to ask. We have to ask pre-proposed questions. That's very interesting, and things have definitely been going in that direction in general with the government. I mean, it's been kind of that way for a long time where there's always been an unspoken rule amongst journalists that you don't ask the tough questions because otherwise you won't be invited back for another interview and that kind of thing. And because they because they have such reverence for politicians, and I don't know why, politicians are just a bunch of ugly sickos that uh, want to force their way on people. So I don't know what the big deal is about getting an interview with them. But uh, if you ask the, t- the tough questions, you won't get called back. And for a lot of reporters and editors, that's a very important factor. And so what you're seeing is them just taking it the next step and saying, well, now instead of just kind of tiptoeing around and asking uh, softball questions, we're going to require that you submit your questions in advance for approval. It's just the next step on that on that path. And I agree with you. It's disturbing. And I thank you for the call tonight. By the way, Mark, one of my producers is telling me that apparently they were friends. Not, not only had uh, Obama heard of this particular professor, but he actually did know him. That's what I'm being told. Okay. So so that's why that case made it bigger. Otherwise, had they not had the Obama connection, that man would have just, you know, gone to a jail cell just like so many other black men across America you have. You think it's a good idea on a burglary, um, you know, when the cops are called on a burglary to uh, if they have no evidence, the If they have no evidence of an actual break-in occurring, then I don't think they have reason to go in. Are you saying, Mark, that I can call the police tonight and say... All right, I've seen a burglary at so-and-so address, and then the cops are going to come in and bust into that person's house if they don't answer the front door? I think they might very well. I think there's a chance of that happening, but they're on some real, I think, I understand that the court system rules in favor of the police all the time. I understand all that, but I'm pretty sure that's pretty shaky legal ground. I'd like to hear from one of our law enforcement listeners on that particular issue. Can the cops just come into anybody's home because somebody made a phone call saying they thought it was being broken into? Don't they have to have some real evidence of, you know, a lock being jimmied on the front door, some sort of uh, crowbar scraping evidence there, something that, that they'd have about, to ascertain? Just about every, <laughs> you know, this is this is where it gets into the he said, she said area. Um, you know, we, we uh, noticed some uh, evidence that uh, there could have been a break-in, so we, you know, proceeded uh, to, uh, you know, search the house for burglars or whatever it is every house has something that looks like it could have possibly have been put there by some burglar do you understand what i'm saying whether you know anything i would like to hear from one of our law enforcement listeners on this rather than us just speculating 800-259-9231 that's the SACL cai toll free line because if that's all they need mark then you would see them doing that all over the place i mean they would they would you know find out where a grow marijuana grow op was somebody would place in an one of the cops would place an anonymous call to their tip line saying hey there's a burglary being committed at so and so address and they'd be able to bust in and bust the the plants i haven't heard of that this is Free Talk Live. It's your show. If you take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231, then it's brought to you by SACL CAI, 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. 
And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. The features we give to you. Now, if you like the show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, shop with us at amazon.freetalklive.com. You know you've got to do shopping to enjoy your life. You've got stuff you want. Well, Amazon probably sells it, and they probably sell it at a pretty darn good price. Plus, free Super Saver shipping on a whole lot of their brand new items. You can even buy used, though, if you need to save a few extra bucks. And you can do it all through Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com because entering through that link will result in a percentage of the purchase going to Free Talk Live. That's Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. Let's go to your phone calls about what you want. Corby is in Tampa listening to WFLA. Hey, Corby. Corby. Hey, guys. I just wanted to tell you the facts. Your caller stated the, the facts of the gate case a little bit incorrectly. Okay. Give it to me. Okay, well, he, he'd been out of town from what I read in the paper. He was in China or somewhere out of the country. He comes back, doesn't have his keys to his house. He actually does break into his house. Mm-hmm. One of the neighbors says, hey, I see two guys breaking into the house. An officer comes to the house. The officer says, well, can I see your ID? Instead of saying, oh, well, you're right here. Let me show you my ID, you know, explain what happened. He goes, this is a race thing. He called, you know, blah, blah, blah. And that's what ended up, that's when, you know, he wouldn't show his ID. Now, and, you know, and calling the cop a racist where if I into my own house and a cop came, I would have to show my ID or I would probably be arrested if it was a possible break-in if I wouldn't establish my identity. So your caller said that he did establish his identity and he would not. And that's why he was arrested. Well, I don't yeah, know that after, you actually have to establish identity. Why would you have to? I mean, you're not driving your house. Why do you have to show a driver's you, license? You don't. I mean, don't, I well, there was a report in, of a break-in at that, you know, Right, but in this country, you're innocent. You're innocent until proven guilty. I agree with you that he may have jumped the gun. I understand that part. Um, but in this country, you're supposed to be innocent until proven guilty. They need to prove burglary um, before they can, you know, charge somebody with burglary, as far as I'm concerned. He wasn't charged with burglary. He was charged with probably, I'm sure, like you said, the favorite, you know, disobeying a you know, police officer. Sure, or that's what he was charged that, with but... after they ascertained that he had not burglarized the house because he showed ID. However, right. I do not believe he had any legal reason to have to show his ID at no. his own home. Is All he had to say is, get off my property. You, I don't think you have to show your ID anywhere. Uh, and that won't prevent well, you from being arrested. Thank you for coming to my house to check on it. In case it was somebody trying to break into my house, I would have been like, oh, thank you for checking up on my place. It actually was me, you know. I, I would thank him for trying to prevent someone from taking my stuff. Yeah, you know, I agree. I agree with you that well, that's likely the way to go about but doing you're, it. You're However, jumping to a conclusion about how nice the cops might have been to him at that particular moment in time. Like if they had just, you know, nicely knocked on the front door. Is anybody here? And then you were being very nicey nice. Then that would kind of make sense treating them that way. But there's a very good chance that they were treating him as though he were a criminal. And when you're when well, you're being treated like you're no. a criminal, then it's hard to be it's hard to reciprocate uh, in a nice fashion. Although I do generally but civility agree with that. is the way to handle that. No, I, I do agree with that. So so if so are you saying that the, in, though, if you don't court, show your ID, you know, what are the cops to think? Oh, you're, you're the burglar. I mean, that's all you have to say is here's my ID. Sorry, you know. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not, but I but I, I appreciate anybody that doesn't show ID. I do. But Corp, I do. Corby, I I have to appreciate anybody that doesn't show ID to the cops because I think that's an important uh, thing to uh, to to keep your privacy, to not bow down to the man, and to not obey in that way. I think that uh, that that was the right choice on his part, and I I fully support it. One of our activist friends here in New, in Keene, uh, where we do the show in New Hampshire, was arrested recently in a very similar situation. It didn't vo- involve a home, but he he was working in the back of a semi-trailer. Um, he was uh, working for a telephone book company, so they had pallets of phone books back there, and they were loading them and, and doing stuff with that. And so I guess he was doing inventory or something like that. And anyway, for whatever reason, he was in the back of the semi-trailer. It's the morning. A cop 
notices the front door to the business open, goes up and kind of pokes around, doesn't see anybody there. So he goes around to the trailer and announces himself as the police. This guy comes out. They threaten him with violence if he doesn't get down off the back of the truck. And then since he refused to show them identification, they arrested him, took him down to the the, the police station. So uh, if you actually haven't been committing a crime, you certainly have no obligation to uh, to show the police your identification. Well, there was a crime reported at that address, so that's the thing. The neighbor did report a crime is why it is a little bit different. But I agree with you that, you know, you shouldn't be arrested. But in the case of there was a, you know, a proof... All you had to do to prevent the whole thing, and you know, was just say, "Here's my ID. Sorry, I'm breaking my own." Maybe house. that much you is know. is likely true. I, I absolutely agree with that. I, you know, but I I think that we also, as Americans, have to stand up for our rights to you know not show identification just at the behest of anybody who asks for it. I mean, now we've gotten into society to the point where you can't go to the grocery store without an ID. You can't check into a hotel without an ID. You can't buy cigarettes. You can't do anything without this government identification card. And they wanted it. At all all times. I mean, I, I, I'm just of the opinion that it's an encroachment on a freedom that's, uh, you know, it, it's a little unpalatable. And, to me. and you never know what will happen when you give information to a cop. I mean, we can sit here and say, oh, it would have been fine if he'd just shown his ID. But what if there was a warrant out for his arrest for some nonsensical crap like having a, driving on a suspended license or something like that, you know, failure to appear, something that didn't actually involve harming another person? What if there was some sort of warrant out on his, uh, on his name? They would have run his name. They would have found that warrant he would have been arrested on that in that case now you had said that he had to break into his own home so does that mean that he was unable to close and, and latch his front door when uh when the police I, arrived I, I don't from what i read i think he just knocked on the door and he answered afterwards and he said i'm not showing you my id you know yeah you, you're a racist i want I, it's because i'm black in my own house so you want to see my id and i think you know, if I was in my house and had been reported of a break-in, I would have had to show my ID, or I would have been arrested, most likely, if I refused to. You know, it wasn't a the cop wasn't acting right. Nothing they, you know, I, I'm not for the police, but as far as once there is a report of a crime, you know, I think non-cooperation at some point what are the cops to think? Okay, this is the guy. You know, there's not too many burglars criminal, that you know. there's, there's not too many burglars that answer the door and say you're a bigot. You, you, think, I'm, you think I'm stealing from this house because I'm black. I gave you credit there. That it's probably. I mean, it may have been. You know. I don't know. I was not there, so I'm just. No, uh, I wasn't either, and I think ID, a lot of a lot of I it depends. Correct that right. infactuality. Yeah, a lot, of, a lot of it depends you have on. Valid point. But, yeah, and I'd also like to point out that the professor, although I think he could have been far more civil in this instance, you've also got to remember that that pride that comes with the badge. And a, if you've ever dealt with a, a cop that you know has this kind of attitude, and I'm not saying they all do, but some do, that I can't do anything wrong because I've got the badge. I mean, yeah, you've got this guy who's standing in his own yard. You know, calling you a bigot, but you're in his yard. Get out! I mean, that—that's what the normal person well, they would hire do. cowboys to be to do the job. So yep. that's what you're going to get. I mean, that's the only you know problem with the most. But it's not okay. Well, Courtney, just to, you know. Just to add something in here, uh, my one of my producers is saying uh, he's quoting an article from this whole Gates situation that says that Ogletree said Gates showed his driver's license and his Harvard ID, both with his photos, and repeatedly asked for the name and badge number of the officer, who refused. He followed the officer onto the front porch as he left his house and was arrested there. So according to that, uh, he did show identification. 
Well, everything else I read said he didn't, but I'm not going to, you know. Well, I think, that he, I think he was slow back. to show his ID was what my understanding. And it I certainly see. it makes sense to me. But, I mean, take a look here at the difference. The officer doesn't feel any obligation to show you his ID. Yeah. If we were equal to the police um, in, 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 in any situation, man to man. When, when they walk up to the, your window at your car and say, license, registration, proof of insurance, please. You can say, could I see your, I'll, I'll be happy to show you mine, officer, if you show me yours. Yeah. I mean, isn't this a country of sovereign citizens where we should all be able to check on everyone else? I mean, if this guy's well, going to come they shoot up, someone, they get suspended with pay during the investigation. They, they sure do. Until they're found that they acted within the rights of the, you know, the rules of the department. You know, You're right about that, Corby. Thank, their own, you, know, thank you for the call tonight. I, I appreciate hearing from you at 800-259-9231. Let's talk to Nick listening to WFLA in Florida. Nick, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hey, how you guys doing hey, tonight? Nick. What's on your mind? Uh, just, you know, I got a few uh, agreements, disagreements with some of your callers. Uh, the last guy uh, pretty much agreed with a lot of things he said. Every article that I did read on the Gates story was the uh, gentleman never did show his actual driver's license, which, like you said before, you know, he has no reason to, except for the fact that there was proof that the house was actually uh, broken into. There were signs that the door was jimmied open. There was a crime reported in the uh, in the home. So, you know, the police, uh, you know, it, in all honesty, even if he didn't suspect the, the uh, Gates of being the burglar, he had a, a duty to check the house and or the surrounding area to make sure the actual burglars were not in there still. And the, You don't have a duty to check my house if I come to the door and say, um, you know, I'm not interested in giving you my ID. There's no the, no, no. the officer has no duty, duty to come onto my property at that point. No, you're right. You know, in that sense, and the uh, you know, you can pick any other officer to you know call a racist and all this other stuff. But when you actually look into this officer's background, he was the wrong person to call a racist, considering he taught classes on racial profiling and was actually picked to teach those classes by the commissioner, who was black. And I, this guy who's never had a problem in the years that he's worked there, you, it's not a guy. And he actually did make an attempt to leave the house and actually keyed his mic to his radio so that everybody else could hear at the station so they could record it, all the things that Gabe said to this officer. Hey, that's great. I, I have no problem with that, and I do believe that there is a lot of reverse racism in this country. However, when an officer who I pay their paycheck and I ask for their badge number and their name, they ought to give it. Hey, Nick, I know you had more to say. We're going to bring it back uh, if you'll hang through the news. Hour number three is coming up. This is Free Talk Live. You bring up anything. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronic, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supply, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. We are launching into the third hour of the program. The toll-free number is for you to bring up what you want. 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. The features are free, so enjoy those on us. That's freetalklive.com. 
WFLA.com. As we continue taking your calls, we'll go back to Nick listening in Clearwater to WFLA. Nick, you're back on Free Talk Live. You had a few comments, and we didn't have time to get to them all, so I wanted to make sure we got them out there, about the uh, the Gates situation, this uh, Harvard Law professor or whatever who was arrested outside of his own home for, I guess it was disorderly conduct or disobeying an officer, probably disobeying an officer. I, I couldn't ascertain that from the article I was looking at there during the news break, but I did ascertain that they dropped whatever the charge was or the charges were. They they did drop them. Uh, so go ahead with your thoughts. Yeah, you guys there? Yeah, uh, sure. As for the, the actual charge, uh, from what I ascertained from the initial articles that came out, it was disorderly conduct. And uh, I mean, you can understand them dropping it, you know, when it becomes a national case like that, you know. And uh, I'm not saying that, you know, emotions didn't get involved. But, you know, this wasn't, like I said, this wasn't necessarily a police officer who gets out there on his high horse, which there are plenty of, okay? You know, I'm 21 years old. I'm uh, working in law enforcement right now. I'm, you know, attempting to, you know, get into, uh, you know, uh, the local police department around here. So and, you are uh, currently training uh, as, as yes, a... Yes, I'm, I'm going to school right now uh, for a criminal justice degree. All right, and, well, since uh, we have I... you, since we have you, I want to see yes. if you can answer the question about the burglary call, because Mark was suggesting earlier that if somebody just makes a phone call saying that uh, so-and-so, somebody seems to be burgling this particular address, that the cops can show up and just bust into that house. What is uh, What do you know about that? Uh, as for busting into the house, no, that's not going to happen because then it comes down to, you know, obviously you can say without probable cause, you can say, well, you know, we observed this, I surveyed this, and uh, you can say that, but it really comes down to a he said, she said, and it's not something that's going to stand up. So as a law enforcement officer, that's not something you want to, a position you want to put yourself in. So as far as I know, there's not going to be a police officer out there who's going to do that. Now, when you respond after getting that initial report and there are signs of a forced entry, Okay, then, in all honesty, yes, you would want to check it out. But in this case, where he did, you know, just to rule out the, you know, uh, Mr. Gates, uh, from, you know, as the uh, actual person burglarizing the house, he did just ask for ID. And, you know, like you said, you know, he has every right, it is his property, not to show ID. But, you know, there are people out there who do just want to carry on and start, you know, an egg on a situation like this, whereas it could have just been a, hey, Here's my ID. But, you know, he did the only ID he actually did show from what I heard was his Harvard, Harvard ID, which had no, you know, which had no address on it. It just said Harvard and did have his picture. And uh, like I said, I mean, it seems like that ought to do it. To, that ought to do it. I mean, like, you know, Harvard professors not likely to uh, be burglarizing houses. You're right. But <laughs> you're right. I've, got a, I've got a question here. What about the officer not giving his badge number and not uh, not telling him well, his name? Well, as far as I know, I mean, if you are a Harvard professor, I mean, I know I learned to read at a very young age. If you are a Harvard professor, chances are you could probably just look on that badge he has right there. He may not have had his glasses. Nick, Nick, since I'm going to be paying your paycheck, I want to give you this piece of advice. When the people that pay your paycheck ask for your name and your badge number, you ought to give it to them, don't you think? You're right, you're right. And I don't know, actually, if he did or did not give that to him. So what do you think the charge is, Nick? What do you think the charge is for an officer not giving his name and his uh, badge number? Yeah, exactly. You know what? I'm not. There's even, not a stinking charge. There is no charge. You're <laughs> right. right. You're because right. the people that make the laws use the, their enforcers in the way that they wish. And You're right. There are people, there are officers out there that like that. You know what? And you can paint a wide brush because there are a majority out there. And like the last caller called, you know, he said, describe them as cowboys. There are a lot out there. And they get on their high horses out there. And they are the law. 
and there's nothing you can do. But there are those, you know, that I, yep. I, mean, I married into a law enforcement family. Everybody in the family is in some form of law enforcement, mm-hmm. and they are the greatest people. You know, they have distinguished careers, and, you know, not once, not one allegation of, you know, wrongdoing or, you know, this, these kind of things. And so, Nick, it's, when, the, when, they, when it comes down to it and they, uh, they finally pass the law that says that you've got to go around and confiscate people's guns, are you going to do it? No, no. When when you outlaw guns, the outlaws have the guns. You, so, um, are you gonna are you gonna pull your uh, your your service uh, weapon would, gladly, on your office, on your senior officer and, and put him in handcuffs? Him? No, no, no. Yes, you should. <laughs> if if a, a senior officer gives you the order to uh, go confiscate weapons, you need to arrest him right there. Well, you know what? Yes, in that sense, unless in fact I believe that there should be no reason because you know what? I don't want I don't want that done to me because you know i live in florida which is a very gun-friendly state and i believe in my right to carry a weapon i ca- i've carried a weapon since i could is open before. carry legal in no florida? it is illegal in florida you cannot carry a weapon out in the open in, on, You're in right, florida. It's a concealed weapon it's a concealed weapon that's not that very gun-friendly pshaw well, we live in new hampshire right. okay. but you how, can... many, how many states we're not the old west now i mean how many states actually do have a you know new uh, hampshire yeah, baby. i'd like to give you some statistics on the old west if i could they uh they okay. studied 10 of the old west towns and murders and and by murder they meant anyone who died in a gunfight or, or stabbing mm-hmm. or anything like that and they found the old west is four times safer than new york city Ten times safer than Washington D.C. and twenty-six times safer than uh, Baltimore. And I believe it because you know what? You hear these these shootings in public places, and these guys go just down here. And uh, I forget what state it was. There was a guy who walked into a women's acro- uh, aerobics class. He hated, he had a thing against women. He started shooting the place, unloaded thirty-six rounds, uh, injured nine women, killed three. Okay, but if one, one of those women in there, if somebody in there, somebody in that gym had a gun on them and could neutralize that situation before he took out any more lives, then you know we could have saved lives. You know. There's no doubt about that. Where... Nick, was that guy a convicted felon? No, he actually wasn't, but he was a weirdo. I'll give that okay. much. Okay, so if he was he a convicted even, felon, even so just out of curiosity, blog. Nick, um, if he was a convicted felon and he brought a gun in there, because you know convicted felons can get guns, would you yeah. be against the, uh, the, the law that prevents uh, convicted felons from carrying weapons? Because well, what, kind of, what kind of felony are we talking about? Murder. Nonviolent crime? Murder. Now, murdered, yes. You know what? I have to say that if you, if you why, why would you put that back in that situation where he's already okay? It, but okay, you know. What? Also, let's say was there a gun used in that murder? Wait what a difference does it make? Who has the gun here, Mark? Wait a minute. Are I'm you just talking asked, about the shooter? I, I'm, or? Just, I'm just asking specifically whether or not because it your seems scene, like I don't understand. It seems like uh, uh, you know gun possession advocates out there don't they fall down on this one particular issue. So Nick, I'm going to say a guy who was convicted of shooting someone to death and has been released from prison, should he be allowed to own a weapon? I'm going to have to say no. Well, Nick, don't you when when they come for the uh, convicted murderers, the you know, who's going to stand up for them? Is really the question. Nobody is. Nobody. And I am a convicted murderer from the state of Florida, and because of that, I can't possess a weapon right now. Now, I live on, in 12 wooded acres out in rural New Hampshire in a town that doesn't have police officers. What's going to happen if some crazed maniac comes to my house to murder my family? Well, you know, what you have in Screw your own you, personal huh? home, what Stick you have it. in your personal home is is, is your business. And no, all it's honesty. not. You know it's not, Nick. Oh, exactly. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know what? I'm not speaking from behind any badge here. I'm speaking as a person to you. That, but that's the way I feel about it. I agree I with you, and there are, there are lots of cops out there that would act that way. However, there are yep. the guys out there that if they, for some reason, had to come to my house, and they, you know, like, I, the, 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 the crazed maniac comes to my house, and I have to neutralize him in order to prevent my uh, family from being uh, harmed, well, then what? 
I, then you have every right to. And then you I know, go to you prison take, for 10 years. Yeah, exactly, and that's what's going to happen. And I'm not saying, I mean, heck, I didn't wrong. invent the laws, and I don't agree with all of them. I'm just, you know I'm, I'm I, only converting one gun possession advocate, making the attempt to convert one gun possession advocate on a very tough issue when it comes to gun possession, and that is convicted really, felons. It, it is a very tough issue, but, you know, it, 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 I don't know, it, it's something that, well, you know, you can, you can argue all day, and, and you can bring hypotheticals into, and, you know, you may not ever be I, able it's to. It's not a hypothetical, Nick. I'm really a convicted murderer from Florida. Yeah, he's not joking. He's not joking with you. Uh, <laughs> my no, de- okay, my yeah, Department no, of Corrections yeah. number is one three seven five five three. Okay, look, look, look. I want to go a different back in a different direction because we got distracted. I want to get back to the question about if you, as a law enforcement officer, and you're not yet, but you're training to be one, yeah. uh, respond to a call about a burglary. And when you get there, you see some signs that, uh, you know, maybe the lock was jimmied, but the door is closed at that point. Uh, do you have the ability to break in? You don't have the ability to break in because you're no better than the burglar at that point. Uh, it's called a welfare check, and uh, you knock on the door. And, uh, and Gates, in his defense, the best thing he could have done was not answer. Thank you. That's exactly best, what my suggestion was. was. Was not answer the door. But then when the officer did make an attempt to leave, and this gentleman did want to carry on and carry on, and then when you had Obama put his foot in his mouth, because, you know what, for being this great speaker. Yeah, when, I, uh, when, I'm no when, fan no, of when, Obama. When, when, I don't even want to go down that road. I, I appreciate where you're coming from, and I thank you for the call and the expertise tonight. Now, if your door is open, there's nothing to prevent the officer from coming inside and looking around. So yeah, keep thanks, that in mind. Thanks for taking some tough questions, Nick. Yeah, absolutely. Great call. Call us anytime and give us the uh, the law enforcement uh, view on things. Always love to hear your side of things. It's Free Talk Live. More coming up. This is Free Talk Live, Saturday edition of the program. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. We have a chat room. It's open 24 hours a day. Best time to be in there, though, of course, is during the show. So go to chat.freetalklive.com to experience it free. That's chat.freetalklive.com. Choose for Health Superfruit Complex. You've been hearing the ads all over the radio, and I've been taking it, and it's, it's a great product. Um, it contains goji fruit, mangosteen, acai, nani fruit. It's a vitamin and an antioxidant all in one. You can get a free week's supply by calling 800-219-8874. That's a free week. All you pay is shipping and handling. 800-219-8874. All right, we'll continue taking your phone calls about what you want. We go to, uh, let's let's talk to Jim. No, uh, yeah, let's talk to Jim in Ohio. He's back uh, from last hour. Jim, you were telling us about uh, multiple sclerosis. You're saying that the highest incidence of multiple sclerosis was in Ohio, and the reason we are, uh, we're letting you call back is because you lost your cell phone battery. Normally it's only one call a night on Free Talk Live, but you were telling us about some treatment that sounded obscure and you weren't really able to explain to us because you ran out of uh, battery juice. So go ahead with your thoughts. Um, I was suggesting that if a fellow listener over in Florida wanted to check it out, there's plenty of material on the Internet about how to treat MS. Uh, I feel so strongly about the trespass by government. I think they should not be licensing physicians or most of the professions. That's a absolutely. That's a, that is a huge detriment to I think people's ability to achieve the the healthcare that they are they're looking for. It's because just the AMA just has a union stranglehold on the admin, ad, uh, you know administration of medicine. 
Right, uh, the natural health people that have alternative medicines that they that many people swear by are not able to ad- advertise uh, the the benefits, the purported benefits of these things. They they are very heavily restricted, and those restrictions only get worse over time. Just just basically promoting the the medical establishment over the alternatives is is essentially what the government's role is to protect them uh, from well, from competition. I'm twice as old as your apprentice in the law enforcement business, and I think that you need to understand a whole lot more about status and jurisdiction. I've been in jail myself for failing to identify myself. And what you're confused about, apparently, is you're mixing common law, which is our American tradition back in the first 50 years or so under constitutional theme. You're mixing that with administrative procedure, which came in basically with the 14th Amendment. Once you confess to being a U.S. citizen, you have no rights. Do you understand how that works? Well, I've read a great deal about the 14th Amendment, and it seems like a battle that was lost a long, long time ago. I understand some of the benefits to, uh, you know, claiming to be the the citizen of one of the several states as opposed to a citizen of the United States. We're not citizens. We're born uh, with God-given rights, and literally the theme was in place when George Washington went to New York to be president. The first acts of Congress were to establish contracts for service in the government. Every elected official had an oath of office, and he posted a bond. Every other uh, matter consisted of an employment contract for somebody who worked in a government agency. But the whole theme in any country is based on contracts and the making and keeping of promises. And when the people in law enforcement are paying attention to what some precinct captain tells them instead of their uh, solemn oath to the Constitution and to the common law theme, then they end up with trespassing against we the people. Welcome to America. Thank you, Jim, for the call tonight. I appreciate hearing from you at 800-259-9231. I, I, I understand where he's coming from with this distinction between common law and kind of this um, uh, United States judicial situation that we have that is anything but common law these days. Some would say it's admiralty, it's equity, it's you know different uh, maritime jurisdictions, all kinds of – there's all kinds of legal theories and claims out there. I don't know which ones are true, but one thing that I do know is that telling a cop, hey – I'm under the common law jurisdiction, isn't going to stop them from putting handcuffs on you and putting you in a jail cell. Yeah. And I don't think he was suggesting that it would, no. but uh, I'm just, I just want to make it clear. that it seemed there, like he understood that uh, you know that, <laughs> that battle seemed to have been right. lost. There, there are no magic words out there that are going to save you from the police, which is why I say that the safest thing to do is to not interact with them. Uh, unless you feel like you absolutely must, I don't see any reason to answer the door. And I, and I know, Mark, you were saying that uh, that Nick, who was on the line earlier, was just a, a trainee in the law enforcement well, he's system. A, he's, a, he's a bright-faced, uh, you know, shining new uh, police officer who but his likely advice... has been told uh, what is the law in his school. However, once you get on the street and you start administering that law, things change. But his advice is spot on. It's the same advice that Barry Cooper gives, and Barry Cooper is a retired law enforcement officer or he quit basically. I'm just telling you in that specific instance with the burglary that and, and he said so himself that if the the officer tried to go in the house because he you know thought that the burglars were still in the house that it would be a he said she said scenario and do you really want to be in a court of law with your 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 liberty and your um, you know your money on the line 
saying he said, she said against a cop? Because who are they going to believe? How is the cop going to... Uh, first of all, your average cop doesn't have the concrete battering ram in the back of his car, and they only sent regular cops to respond to this particular call. So again, Mark, the best thing, in my opinion, in the opinion of Nick, and in the opinion of Barry Cooper from NeverGetBusted.com, to do when the police are at your front door trying to investigate something that you possibly could have been involved in, or even if you didn't think you could have been involved in it. They're cops. When you give them information, they will use it against you. Anything you say can and will be used against you, and that's that's before they tell that to you. Even if they're just questioning you, anything you tell them they can use against you. So it's better to just not say anything, and it's better to not even... Not even get into the conversation, get into a contact situation with the police officer in the first first place because you never know what you're going to be dealing with. As far as a cop busting into your front door because they were called on a burglary call, a burglary call it's going to be pretty difficult. The average cop probably doesn't have the ability to pick a lock, and so good luck to them getting through two, uh, you know, a deadbolt in a, in a regular door That's lock. A good point. All right, so let's go back to your phone calls where Dan is on the line in New Hampshire. Dan, you're on Free Talk Live. Dan yeah, in New Hampshire. Mark, how are you guys doing? Hey, what's hey, on Dan. your mind tonight, Dan? Uh, there was some information that actually didn't get out about this that, that I had heard on this uh, uh, Professor Gates situation. Number one, he's been... Uh, He's been on a lot of public TV uh, doing uh, genetic research into the actual origins, you know, and uh, the, the, you know, where, where are the, you know, a lot of, on black people particularly, uh, you know, their, their genetic origins, which turns out that many of them are got a lot of white in them. So, uh, <laughs> you know, this whole business of, of race and, 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 oh, and I agree. Race, I think the whole race you know, is, is, is abs- pretty crazy stuff. But yeah, I mean, race is subjective. He's a well-known person. You know, some of the people that, you know, Quincy Jones, Oprah Winfrey, these were the participants in this genetic uh, evaluation thing on, uh, on public TV that I saw a long while back. And, uh, and uh, you know, he did it on himself and, uh, as well. And, 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 you know, he does a pretty good job on TV, I think, uh, as far as presenting uh, information and things like that. But who knows what happened there. But, you know, they, they say that they keyed the mic and that that all got recorded, but it's interesting they haven't released that recording. Yeah, they, Funny don't, how that they is. don't do that. <laughs> you know, they, if, they, if, if the recordings are good for the law enforcement uh, agency, then they'll release them. Yeah. However, if they aren't necessarily good, or there might be some confusion or whatever, they don't do that. Dan, thanks for the call tonight. I appreciate it, as always, at 800-259-9231. This is a Even statism the, issue, a police uh, statism issue, not a race issue, in my opinion. Even though we, the people, paid for those mics, we paid for the recording equipment, we paid the, uh, the salary of the officer, they won't release that stuff. They'll give you what they feel like giving you. More coming up. You take control. It's Free Talk Live. We wouldn't be where we are without our amplifiers. Their $3 per month helps us spread Free Talk Live and gets them access to perks at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up what you want. Just dial toll-free the 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, Saturday edition. Ian here with you. And Mark. Join us online at freetalklive.com. We have live streams, broadband version, dial-up version, even a webcam, all free at listen.freetalklive.com. That's listen.freetalklive.com. 
And Audible.com is the Internet's leading provider of spoken audio entertainment. You can listen whenever and wherever you want, just like the podcast, or just like a podcast, rather. Audible has over 60,000 titles from which you can choose, and in every genre, Audible has it covered. Get your free audiobook download when you sign up today at audiblepodcast.com slash FTL. That's audiblepodcast.com slash FTL for your free audiobook. Let's continue taking your calls. But first, just want to uh, throw a quick comment in, at the, just because we've been talking about this Gates, uh, this Professor Gates situation where he was allegedly, you know, somebody called that there was a break-in going on at his home. It was actually him, and he did have to break into his own home to get in because he'd lost his keys while he was out on a, a trip. The cop came who knows how heated things got the the audio recording has not come out about this yet but he refused initially apparently to show identification some people claim he continued to refuse the cbs news article says he did show eventually his uh, photo id and his harvard uh, his his government id and his harvard id and the cops arrested him anyway and charged him uh, with something like disorderly conduct or disobeying uh, an officer. And so that's kind of what we're talking about here. And as I pointed out before we went to break, it, to me, this seems like an issue of statism in a police state situation than it is an issue of race. But I can understand why Gates would have believed it was an issue of race. There is a lot of evidence out there to suggest that blacks and Hispanics are racially profiled by racist white cops uh, because that there are there's an an unprecedented amount of them as far as a per capita population by if you do a ratio and you look at the ratio of blacks in the regular population and then you look at the ratio of blacks in a prison population you find more in prison and it's not because blacks are more inclined to commit crimes in my opinion uh, I think there's uh, there's solid evidence out that there's a lot of racist cops out there in the system and I think that's probably the number one reason why you see those statistics and so i don't blame gates for feeling that way where do you go to uh, get drugs in a new town where do you go to get drugs in a if, new if, town? If you go to a town that you're not familiar with i would go to a cab driver or bartender or something like that you think some people go to the ghetto probably why do they do that there's a perception that drugs are available there maybe they are well, maybe there are drugs available I, in every neighborhood of the the town you live in. And, and, Just need to know the right people. Like likely uh, that, that that much is true, but you can't. You're not going to get it sold on the corner because mm-hmm. the entrepreneurs in the drug industry aren't going to be out on the corner in uh, you know the 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 high uh, you know high bill hills. That's not going to be happening. So you know there's uh, there's there's uh, this sort of perpetual motion that goes behind this whole thing. People that live in the ghetto tend to be of you know different ethnicities besides the majority. It's not always true, certainly, and the ghetto tends to be the place where, you know, if you're going to be uh, procuring drugs and things like that, that's where you would go. I think that in a um, – and I think that it, it likely there's more entrepreneurs in the drug industry coming from that area. I think that the problem is the drug war. I think you're right about that, but there are plenty of people they could be targeting, but they choose to target the ghetto because, well, they're easier targets, They're right? on the street, in yes, some cases. they're easier targets. But I, I don't know if it's if the entire black prison population is made up of uh, you know people that were selling crack on the streets or marijuana on the streets or something. It's like a that. pretty good percentage. I mean, you can all I can I I've, having been in prison with some blacks in Florida, I can mm-hmm. tell you that they got often a lot of them have stories about how they would get away from the law while dealing on the street. Let's go to your phone calls and talk to Don in Indianapolis, listening to WXNT. Don, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey. Hey, what's on your hey, mind? Hey, how's it going today? What's on your mind, Don? Uh. First of all, <laughs> ghetto drugs. No, that's that's. I, 
I'd better. I think you'd be better off with like a cab driver, like you said. Uh, first of all, probably all a good black idea. People don't live in ghettos. Well, some uh, do. I never grew up in a ghetto, and I'm black, and I've been racially profiled. But anyway, absolutely true. Uh, I did not say that all black people I, I, are in I ghettos or anything like that. I wasn't saying you were. Okay. I, I was just making a statement. Uh, please, um, I want your opinion. Okay. Um, first off, uh, Dr. Gates is not a law professor. He's a um, historian slash geneticist. And his best, one of his best friends, and also his attorney, is a law professor at Harvard. He was uh, Barack Obama's uh, professor. Okay, he uh, went to India to do some genetic research because he's trying to. He's one of the people that's setting up the program to find out Africans' real uh, African slaves' real lineage in Africa. So when he came back, he was trying to get in his door, and he had. He lives in an older house, and he had door swell. So he asked the cab driver to help him push the door in because it was swollen. He was on the phone with the Harvard um, uh, maintenance people to come fix his house when the policeman showed up. The policeman asked him, please put down the phone, step out on the porch. Well, him being uh, familiar with law, knew that once you step outside of your doorway, the policeman does not need a warrant to arrest you. He said he would not. He refused. He said, I'm a professor at Harvard. This is a Harvard domain. This mm-hmm. is my home. And he said, well, do you have proof? He said, yes. So he walks back to get his ID. He did not give the officer permission, but the, the officer pursued him inside of his home, oh, boy. showed him the identification. And the officer said, thank you very much, turned around and walked away. He said, I would like your badge number because you were very rude to me. I would like to report you. And the officer said, don't push it, and walked away. He followed the officer out. He said, thank you for following my previous order. Turn around. You're under arrest. And he arrested him. Uh, they put his arms behind his back, and and they arrested him. He's a handicapped man with a cane that came to the door. So I've never seen a burglar with a cane that was 60-something <laughs> years old. Or yeah. Harvard ID. <laughs> Right, you know, a Harvard professor, but he knew he was a professor, but because he was snotty enough to resist him mm-hmm. and, and and wanted his badge number so he could report him, um, he said, thank you for uh, following my previous order, which was a smart comment. Uh, you're now under arrest because he has stepped out the boundaries. Just of the another door. cop they with can, a power tripping attitude. That's, right. that's what we're dealing they can, with. Here. Unless they have reasonable suspicion, they can't enter your domicile. But um, to and that cop would have done the same thing to me. And I'm, you know, I'm a white guy. No had I he been in the said you were snotty, yep. and he would have he would have done the exact same thing to you. Yep. But the thing about it is, um, the not answering the door thing—that's not a good idea. I, Why? I've done that before. They what happened? Kick it in. What? They what? They kick now? it in, and they come in with their guns drawn. They they don't um they don't. They don't like that. That well, puts them in an uncomfortable position. They don't know what to expect. So you've I actually have friends that are police officers. Hold, yes, hold on, hold I, on. I, I want to. I want to make sure I can ask you some questions about your situation. You said you've actually not answered a door before, and the cops have right. kicked it in. What was the situation there? Well, um, well, actually, they were they were coming to look for someone, mm-hmm. and um, the per- we didn't answer the door because we didn't have nothing to do with that. Right. And I I mean, you know, we didn't we didn't want to be bothered, you know, so but they kicked the door in. So they had a warrant for this person? No. So they, they were just looking to ask him questions? 
they again. What, yes, what were they, they looking were just, for him for? Uh, he he had a warrant, but they did not so have he, a warrant for the premises. They just heard that they were there. The, uh, uh, they can always get past. I mean, you know, reasonable suspicion. They can say they smelled something, they heard something, it was a sound, whatever. That's not the best way to go about it. The actual best way to go about it is probably to answer the door. And as long as you stand your ground and you, you, you're you not perceived in a threatening manner. I, I, I have to say lie. that I think that I, I understand that there are going to be rogue cops that are going to do terrible things. There's no doubt about that. But, right. uh, but Barry I have, Cooper from. I have really good friends that are police officers that that I've, I've spoken to about these matters and they've told me ways to handle situations and generally the way uh there are some individual cops that are not like the nicest guys in the world but there are some that are that are genuine people that genuinely want to help and as long as you portray yourself in a knowledgeable manner they tend to leave you alone now, now, it, it all depends troopers. it all depends here's what i would suggest if you feel you must speak to the police don't open the damn door. Just talk to them through the door. That's a, I think that's a midpoint that's more acceptable because if you open the door, the cop could stick his foot in the door and prevent you from ever having a chance of closing it again. I thank you for the call, and I would love to hear from more people that have had experiences, front door experiences with the police. It's Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live, it's your show, and you can bring up what you want via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. Conversation is currently about the issue of how to handle the police at your front door. There are cops who have told us on the air, Barry Cooper is probably the most notable of them from NeverGetBusted.com, a man who spent years of his life busting, uh, doing work on the narcotics squad down in Texas, has now changed to the side of good and is is helping people uh, rescue themselves from police arrest at NeverGetBusted.com. And he's recommended always that uh, never talk to the police. There's no reason to answer the door for the police ever. Uh, but somebody we were just talking with said he had an incident where the police were coming looking for somebody at his house. They didn't have a warrant, but they kicked the door in anyway. And so he believes that you should go and talk to the police. I still strongly believe that anything you say to the police increases your chance of being hauled off yourself in a pair of handcuffs. There's no reason to answer the door unless... You know why the police are there in the first place, and you have an interest in talking to them. For instance, if you know that you know there was a murder committed across the street, and they're looking to get some evidence for, uh, to, and you weren't the murderer, uh, you know, and they're looking to get some evidence and see if you saw anything and that kind of thing. I don't know if there's, I don't think there's a problem in helping catch a real criminal in that particular case, but in most cases, I would say there's no reason to talk to the cops. Let's continue with your calls and talk to. And somebody told us that last week, right, Mark? Another cop told Police us. Police officer did. Let's go to Dan in San Antonio. You're on Free Talk Live, Dan. Dan, are you there? San Antonio, Dan, going once. San, yeah, how are you doing? Hey, you're on the air, Dan. What's on your mind tonight? Uh, well, I got a question. I was in the law enforcement club back in high school. And we were always advised that if, if the screen door is propped open by the officer and the, the suspect went into the dwellings and the door is open, that gives the law enforcement officer rights to go into the residence. He was called to the residence for a possible break-in. He wasn't called in there for a suspect. That's why the officer went in. You're saying if the door is open? Yes, sir. He has every right to go in there. 
Anytime there's an open door, you're correct. From my understanding, that's like an open invitation to the officer to come in. I don't think in. he has every right, however, um, it's likely legal. he's going to. <laughs> it's legal for him to come in if there's an open door. Right. An officer does not have a right to come into my house, even if I choose to leave my doors open. Well, no. I mean, if you're at the door and you turn around and you go get identification, the officer was called to the residence. He has to go into the residence. He doesn't have to ask your permission if you're there at the he door. He may not have to legally. However, right. that officer, as far as I'm concerned, is trespassing. Now, I may choose to or not to do anything about that, but an officer that walks into my house without me saying, come on in, officer, and I've done that. And I, you know, I, I have never had a problem with an officer at my house. Um, you know, any of my problems with police officers have always been uh, you know, elsewhere. But you know, at my home, that's my home. I pay the mortgage, and that guy does not have the right to come in my house. When I was 11 years old, uh, I was banging on my sister's window because I was playing outside when I was 11. Uh And a car drove by, and they called the cops. And, uh, you know, this was already 9 o'clock at night. My mom was there. Uh, My grandmother was there. She was blind. Uh, I answered the door. It was a uh, uh, sheriff's officer. And uh, he asked for my identification. I I was 11. (laughs) I I, I had a school ID. And uh, I said, you know, because, yeah, I was banging on the door. My sister, you know, locked the, you know, locked the window. I was trying to get, you know, my my stereo uh, back inside the house. And my grandmother, you know, she, she was panicking because she was like, who's at the door? It's like, well, there's a sheriff's officer. Um, you know, uh, the officer, you know, says, is everything all right? And he goes, yeah, come on in, you know. I mean, I, I don't have, I didn't have a problem at 11. I don't have one now. If an officer comes to my door. Uh, whether or not, you know, my wife and I were fighting or, you know, the house is disarray, you know, and he walks in, you know, and he sees a place a mess, you know. Uh, you better be careful uh, letting an officer in after you and your wife have been arguing because uh, often on domestic, in, in some places, and I don't know what it's like in uh, San Antonio, but in some places, when in, in many places, when officers are called to a domestic dispute, someone has to go to jail. It's, it's true. the law. Thank you for the call tonight. I appreciate it. And it isn't going to be your wife, dude. Yeah, not likely. <laughs> not likely. Even though, statistically, women uh, actually commit more violence against men. It just doesn't get actually reported very often. Sure. I, I believe that, but when you, when you, it, it depends on what your definition of violence is. You know, I mean... Uh, and a, a physical attack. Uh, my wife has struck me before, usually has in she? a playing fashion. Well, that's different. If she's playing, then that's, you know, right. your well, little bedroom. If I struck her in a playing fashion, you know, with the same, the equal amount of force that she used in, in her percentage of force, I'm going to hurt her. Do you understand? Well, that so, doesn't sound very playful, then. It's, it's not. And so I'm then just it's saying, not playing. Right, that it wouldn't be playing i wouldn't be playing i would i don't strike people that's my rule right um so the you know but you know sometimes women will what i'm saying is women don't have the ability to harm the same way that men have the ability to harm so i think that they are i think more it likely. depends on the woman let's uh, the, the, i had a girlfriend that was more than twice my size <laughs> yeah but it's fat it's not muscle it's still momentum my friend Anyway, let's go to Char- uh, Charleston, WSCFM, where William is on the line. William, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Yeah, hello. Hey, William, what's on your mind tonight? Listen, I was listening to the previous caller uh, a couple ones ago that he said that the uh, the uh, gentleman had a cane and came to the door and so forth. I'm an agent um, in the state of South Carolina, and he had every right to go into that home Um to protect himself, if, if if going to retrieve the ID, he came back with a weapon, it would turn into a bad situation. Wait a second. 
That's my house. I have the right to have a weapon. That officer's got a weapon on his hip. The crime is not possession of a weapon. The crime is shooting someone. I hear what you're saying, but the if that officer, this- if I wanted to stand with a shotgun trained on that officer while he's at my door, um, at, at, you no, know, asking this not stuff, go over well, it's not going to go over well. However, that's my right; no, it's no. my door. No, um, that officer was dispatched. He has every legal right to go to that home and to that door to ascertain what is going on about a, a call for a burglary. If he goes in that home and he comes back with a weapon, it's going to be a bad situation. That officer is going to draw his weapon and potentially use it to protect himself. Why is it that um, the, the officer gets to carry around the weapon but the uh, citizen doesn't? You can't carry around a weapon. But what I'm saying is the officer got dispatched there for a, a crime. Who knows if, if two men could have had that guy, a gun pointed on the old man with the cane, and, you know, they could have been telling him, get rid of the cops. The officer had to come in make sure everything was okay. That officer wasn't invited in. What can you do as a law? Are you a law enforcement yes. officer, William? Yes, I am. I'm an agent with the state of South Carolina. He has what kind of agent right are you? There. What kind of agent uh, are you? Law enforcement agent. So are you a statey? Are you a state trooper? No, I'm, I'm a state agent with um, the state of South Carolina. So you're like a detective for the attorney. means, but uh, we don't need to, to, to identify exactly right, who the I'm guy is. I'm just curious as to what t- state agent sounds really mysterious. I didn't know what that meant. Uh, so, so if you are at a front door... And you've been called there for a burglary call. Let's pretend you're not a. Let's pretend you're just a regular law enforcement officer on the on right. boots on the ground. You're called to a, to a burglary call. Nobody's answering the front door. There may be a little bit of evidence of uh, the lock being jimmied, but otherwise everything's quiet. No one's coming to the door. What can you do? If the light and there appears to nobody be being there, um, I would um, call the place safe. And report it as being safe, and there's nothing you can do about what it. What if it appears there is someone in there? What if somebody's walking around on the inside of the home just ignoring you? What can you do? Um, I, 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 I'm not sure, um, to be honest with you. You're used to people coming to the front door, right? I mean, most people come and they answer the door, don't they? That's, that's exactly right. right. But if you see somebody walking around, um, you've got a legal right. Once you're dispatched there per 911 in every state in the United States, you have a right to be at that location. You have a legal right to you have be a, there. You can have a right to be outside the front door, but you right. don't have a right you, to come you in. You have a right to go, but if I say that you're on my front lawn, you've knocked on my door, and I say, this is my house. Thank you. Thank you for checking, officer. Goodbye. Too much too much information, Mark. You don't know, even answer the door. Whatever. Thanks for the call, William. Uh, I, appreci- uh, I really appreciate hearing from you. We're short on time. I want to try to get uh, Albert in in Wisconsin. Albert, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hey, hey good afternoon. Hey, good evening, Al- gentlemen. Yes, Albert, what's on your mind tonight? Uh, no, I just wanted to say, uh, number one, it's very important that everybody understands their rights when dealing with uh, police. Yes, sir. Uh, now that, you know, we live in the age of YouTube and Google Video, and there's tons and tons of videos out there put out by the ACLU, and uh, even Barry Cooper's clips are on there. I mean, you can sit there and educate yourself to mm-hmm. understand how to deal with the police. You know, if they come to your door, you can you, you, you step out and, you know, they want to talk to you, maybe something not pertaining to you. You step outside, you close the door behind you. You know, you don't leave it open. You can step outside. You, know, you, you can. Know, if if, if I mean, you feel you I mean, must talk to them, that is an approach that is uh, fairly effective. But I say don't even engage in the first place. What do you think about, well, think about that one? Well, well it's it, it's tough to not want to, you know, in a sense. You know, who, it is know, tough. You're not, it's tough it, because we've been like trained. Well, true, but I would, what I would like to say is and I think we enable police to use force too easily. I think we should start to look for, I don't know, alternative methods when it comes to this. Like, they could have had dispatch call the house. 
and yeah. he could have picked up the phone and, and, and clarified who he was with the officer out there with the walkie-talkie and all that other stuff. That would have been a, a way to handle it. You're right about that. I wish we had more time to talk. We've got more calls, but we're out of time. So thank you for the call tonight. It's been Bummer. Ian here with you. And Mark. Hey, but we'll be back Monday night. You can join us online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. Have a safe, happy weekend, and don't answer the door for the police. It's Free Talk Live. Attention, all active duty members and veterans of the U.S. military. Your proud service to your country entitles you with the right to participate in special VA loan programs with benefits not available to the general public, like the ability to purchase a new home with no down payment or mortgage insurance, or refi with cash out up to 100% of your present home equity with less strict credit criteria. You are entitled to these benefits. Review them online at varadio.com. This is Tim Lewis from iFreedom Direct and a veteran of Operation Iraqi Freedom. I want you to know that as a member or veteran of the United States military, you've earned special rights and privileges. On your feet and get the details at varadio.com. iFreedom Direct Corporation is a private lender approved by the VA and licensed in most states. In certain states, certain restrictions and limitations apply. For a current list of licenses, disclosures, and all benefits, go to varadio.com. varadio.com.